is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Adam. And Mark. And uh, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You can head over there and enjoy all the features. The main feature of the site actually allows you to suggest show prep to this program. You go and you submit interesting things you might find online, whether it be a YouTube video or news article, perhaps a blog post. You put it in. Other listeners then vote up or down, and the most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we're more likely to talk about it on the air. Last night, Mark, uh, you said you had something about the post office. I want to make sure we get a chance to get to that if we get, well, if we get a chance. Of course, your calls come first. So have that ready. 603-513. Uh, wait a minute. That's not the, the right number. 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to your phone calls. Uh, Marcus is in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. I wanted to talk about uh, fireworks. I uh, enjoyed some fireworks uh, this Independence Day down here in New Jersey. You're coming uh, Yes. And well, is, it, is that legal in New Jersey? It is completely illegal. Uh, New Ooh. Jersey has the, some of the worst fireworks laws. Uh, basically, no fireworks are illegal for anybody to have except for the bureaucrats. Now, when you're setting off illegal fireworks, do, are they brighter? Are they uh, more exciting, Louder. louder. Um, they're all of those things. Uh, <laughs> Ill- illegal fireworks are always better than legal fireworks. Excellent. So what sort of <laughs> illegal fireworks did you have? The, the sort that shoot up into the air that are really, really illegal? Yeah, we, we had some, some, you know, some of the small stuff, the sparklers, and, and uh, you know, some of the big ones that uh, go up and uh, make a big loud boom and lots of colors go everywhere. But I wanted to talk about where people in New Jersey uh, get their fireworks from. Uh, since they can't buy them in New Jersey, it's illegal, mm-hmm. illegal to buy, illegal to sell, illegal to have. Um, the the state next door is Pennsylvania, and in Pennsylvania, it's uh, you know most fireworks are illegal there as well, and it's illegal for Pennsylvania um, merchants to sell fireworks to Pennsylvania residents. But they found a loophole in that it's not illegal for them to sell to out-of-state residents. <laughs> you have to be kidding me. So they make I am their not kidding. their whole business plan is by selling to people from out <laughs> from, who are crossing state lines in order to buy and illegal uh, fireworks. When when you cross the Delaware Water Gap from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, there's a nice big fireworks store right there. Wow! And uh, they cannot sell fireworks, or at least the big ones. They can sell some sparklers to Pennsylvania residents, but they can only sell the big stuff to out of staters. And of course, those are all people from New Jersey. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's funny that they have this little this this sort of reason for living there in that they, uh, you know, they sell sparklers to Pennsylvanians as though Pennsylvanians would bother going to a fireworks store. They can probably get them at the grocery store if they want sparklers. Mm-hmm. But maybe I, I'm just speculating there. But um, that they make almost all their money off people coming from uh, New Jersey. It's crazy. Right. And then, of course, you know, they'll. You know, if they're quoted in the news or something, they say, well, we hope that these people won't be breaking the law or anything, you know, but of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> they're essentially well, funding them to go right back to their other state and break the law. Yeah. <laughs> or supplying. Right. I love and it. It's, yeah, I love it's, it. It's a great juxtaposition and, and a really fun uh, kind of thing that goes on uh, over here. Well, market forces are really amazing. I mean, Mark, you're, you're expressing shock here at, uh, at that this could be the case, that these stores could simply exist based on uh, no, the... I'm, I'm exp- my, my shock's really around, based around the fact that bureaucrats are just that stupid. 
<laughs> I mean, they <laughs> set up a law <laughs> that said that it's illegal to sell firework, you know, big fireworks that go kablooey to people from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. but not from people coming across the, the state line. I mean, you're not talking about uh, a lot of rolling farms or anything here. I mean, New Jersey's pretty, uh, you know, north northern New Jersey, where we're talking about it. This is this is a pretty well-developed area. Yeah. yeah, it's rel- relatively urbanized, as is Pennsylvania on its eastern side. Uh, you know, the expectation, it's not like you're driving from Wyoming into uh, Utah or Colorado or wherever. This also goes to show you the uh, little infighting between the states. Do you know, like the one state says no over here, and the other guy says, like, we'll let you, and we get the benefit from it on this side to yeah. a party. I mean, kind of like uh, New Hampshire and Vermont with their... Uh, uh, license plate registrations. What one bureaucrat uh, says no one makes a bunch of strikes here, and the other ones over on this side of the line say, "Well, we'll take advantage of this and get some more money out of this." It, to- it's good. I mean, that's a good thing for freedom. I mean, it's, certainly it's not good to have state governments at all. I don't think, but better to have fifty state governments competing for uh, people than uh, to have this overarching federal government kind of just throwing all the competition out. Well, until one leans on the other and says neither one of us can do it, and you're still, you know, everyone. Well, yeah, I mean, that they, that could happen. You're talking about like some sort of a state cabal where they get together and they set similar or, or rules. Or the big state comes in, the feds say, you know, both of you got to knock this off. Because, I mean, essentially, right. this yeah, it'd be like infighting. Essentially, someone's going to get upset that they're not getting their cut or someone else is taking their cut. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. uh, Marcus, so you actually smuggled them in. Do they, uh, do they try uh, I, to bust you for that stuff? <laughs> no, I, I actually, uh, th- this time it was not me smuggling them in. Uh, you know, I was actually at a party, uh, so somebody else did the smuggling but there was there was fireworks going off all over it wasn't just where i was they were they were all around me hmm. um and uh you know i was actually with uh my father at the time in the town where he lives and uh i had called previously to let you guys know how he within the the uh his town and he's part of the the government there they actually voted to get rid of disband their police department um, which that has happened actually as of uh, June first they they no longer have a a police department in awesome. that town uh, and and my dad uh, did make a little quip he said, uh, I think somebody called the police, but there was nobody there to answer <laughs> I wonder if it, if the police would have been if it would have been their presence any different had this been like oh November first or something I mean maybe that day uh, the secession day is uh, you're allowed to you know play a little bit. Uh, perhaps, but I, I think uh, all in all, I've never heard of anybody complaining about fireworks. Everybody loves fireworks. Right, right. I mean, sure. as you said, people everywhere were setting these things off, and just think about what that says about people. I mean, there are so many Americans who will make this statement, like this self-important statement of, "Well, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I would never break the law." And sometimes when they make those statements on the show, I, I usually ask them, the question I usually ask is, well, have you ever sped or have you ever drank under the age of 21? Or try to think of something that a whole bunch of people will have done at some point in their lives. And this is one I hadn't thought of. Uh, sure, exactly. Now to use fireworks. Hey, right. have you ever lit off uh, some firecrackers? I guess it, it's kind of iffy because you'd, you'd have to know which states, uh, in, in which states it is banned and which it is not. But uh, so it's, it's like civil disobedience by default or without knowing, you know, uh, just uh, they don't see it as breaking the law because it's something they enjoy so much or they they, sure for that they can relate the the peacefulness or how i'm not bothering anybody doing my thing right breaking the law is a is is absolutely an american activity the idea that we're a nation of laws is is contrary to what the nation was founded on the nation was founded by lawbreakers people that said that they're they're sick and tired of these stupid rules it could be a human nature of people not necessarily americans i mean i'm sure other people uh across the i'm doing an american show here what you got problem with that adam's (laughs) right about that Uh, i think that humans 
I think it's part of the human condition to want to be free. Well, I mean, especially if you're being yeah, when, oppressed. Yeah, when people are yeah exactly oppressing on you, uh, the, the natural tendency would be to do the opposite. There, there hasn't been much success at actually attaining that freedom, but I think <laughs> the human condition, at least many humans, want to be free. I'm sure there are humans that uh, enjoy being told what to do. Those people must exist. Uh, but I don't know any of them. Yeah, just, yeah. They're winning. <laughs> the, the people that, that want to be told what to do yes, or the people the, that want to tell people what to do? Them, them, them too. Well, they're the ones that are winning. The people that want to be told what to do, I mean, I don't know if you consider that a win. I suppose maybe if that's what they want, they're getting then they told are, what to do. Yeah, they're getting what they want. Uh, so, Marcus, any other th- uh, thoughts you want to share on this issue? No, that, that was about it. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You can talk about your fireworks uh, situations there where you live. In fact, let's talk to Jericho listening uh, in Mount Jackson to WSVG. Hello, Jericho. What's up, guys? What's How on? you doing? What's on your mind, dude? Uh, well, basically, here in Virginia, pretty much all fireworks are illegal. I think it's anything that leaves the ground. Man, you guys but, just uh, have a fun, fun state there. You can't even have radar detectors or fireworks in the same place. <laughs> I heard they're reversing the radar detector law. That's a plus. Huh. <laughs> why is that? Why would they reverse it? I don't know why they would reverse it. I think it's just because 49 other states said heck with it and made them legal, so I think Virginia is too. I'll tell but, you what, uh, I want you to tell me more if you can. Hang on. We'll come back with sure. uh, Jericho here in moments. 800-259-9231. Fireworks bans becoming more popular across the country as uh, more state governments crack down. I know in Massachusetts they put people on the borders at some points. Uh, to actually watch and see if people are going to the fireworks stores and then coming back to Massachusetts. Does that kind of shenanigans happen where you live? 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. You take control. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free. Bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian. And Adam. And Mark. Uh, Adam joining us from LibertyOnTour.com as they uh, gear up, get ready to head out of New Hampshire across 13 different uh, cities. 13 cities, 13 weeks. Across the country and uh, meet up with other liberty-minded people. Go to LibertyOnTour.com to learn more about that. Mark, tell me about Jurisdictionary. Jurisdictionary.com. Uh, they they sell a product that allows you to take your uh, court cases to court without an attorney. They will uh, show you. It's written by a uh, doctor of jurisprudence, and uh, he wants to pr- show you how to protect yourself from uh, other members of his profession. Shows you how to fill out their forms, get evidence, move the court, set hearings, do research, draft pleadings. It's all there, and it's uh, written in the, the fashion that an average eighth grader can grasp all in less than 24 hours. It is a relatively short course. I mean, certainly you can't learn it all um, in, you know, in just a couple of hours, but it's a relatively short short course. And I have to say this accurate, that uh, the person of an eighth grade intelligence could uh, grasp it in 24 hours. I re- I've taken it, and I recommend it. It's jurisdictionary.com. As we continue with your phone calls, uh, we'll talk uh, to Jericho, who's waiting patiently, listening in Mount Jackson. Now, Jericho, we've been talking about fireworks bans, and you said that in Virginia, it's completely banned. Fireworks of all sorts are banned. What about sparklers? Does it include sparklers? 
Uh, I think sparklers are legal. Can you uh, hear me? Yep, we got you. Okay, yeah, got you. Well, the deal is, uh, for years and years now, I've been going to a friend of mine, friend of mine's house every Fourth of July. They just have awesome fireworks, and I assume they were illegal. <laughs> well, one year, a few years ago, uh, just before we set the fireworks off, fire marshal shows up. Actually, the county fire chief, and he's sitting there talking and looking at the fireworks. And then he just left. I asked my friend. I said, "What was up with that?" I thought we were getting busted. He said, well, he's just coming to inspect the fireworks. I said, inspect them? He said, yeah. He said, I have a permit. I said, a permit? So basically, they're illegal and too dangerous for people unless you pay them money for a permit. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, because clearly, because you have money, you must be uh, you must know what you're doing when it comes to lighting things on fire. Responsibility has a price tag. Exactly. I exactly. guess the, the, the idea behind these permits is that they, they know where to send the fire truck if there's some kind oh, of problem that's the claim okay I'm just, <laughs> I, as a guy who works at a you know a volunteers at a fire department i'm telling you what it is that they claim is the reason now i've that's taken ludicrous. their uh, fire uh, you know their brush burning permit right in front of them and thrown it into the fire and say hey that permit doesn't stop fires what are you talking about well, that doesn't mean exactly it's, well if people have permits for uh, for fireworks how is that going to change anything if someone calls 911 and talks to a police dispatcher? Well, that, and of course these guys have GPS, and they all know all the neighborhoods, so it doesn't matter if you have a permit or not, whether they know or not, they know in seconds where to go. So, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, the permit is totally unnecessary for that, <laughs> on those grounds. Any know? idea, just curious, any idea what the permit costs, how long it lasts, that kind of thing? Uh, I believe it's just for, you know, whatever day you ask for it for, mm-hmm. and I believe it's around $50. Oh, However, wow. this is kind of cool. My friend told me this year they didn't charge him for the permit. He had to get the permit, but they didn't charge him. I guess, every, you know, he's in there every year, and, you know, they collect, so they've gotten cool and don't charge him for the permit. Buy three, but, uh, get four, uh, get the fourth one free. Exactly. Well, in, in Wisconsin, where I'm from, they used to uh, offer you the option to buy the permit, and it was about 25 bucks. and I used to stand in line laughing, and this was even before I was a uh, libertarian. I just I was just cheap. I didn't want to spend the money, and I'd laugh at everybody in line who's going to get them, and some people would be like, we should just get it, because if they come, then you're safe. And, and, Wait a like, minute. The fireworks store was offering the, you that? The fireworks stores would sell them. You know, <laughs> and These ones would only pop up around the, the, the holiday season. And, uh, yeah, they would offer you the option to buy it, and you could decline. <laughs> so I'd be like, no, because it would be like the city or whatever uh, that right. would issue. So you'd be like, oh, I don't live here. You know, yeah. I'm going to go somewhere else or something. And, you know, they'd see me every day at, like, the coffee shop or downtown. Like, they know I yeah. live there. You, whether you live there or not, you could just say, well, I don't, I don't plan on setting them off Well, here. exactly. But I, I was surprised. Then you could just you, change your plan. That way it's not really a lie. Sure, sure. Well, I hear you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they give you the option. I was amazed on how many people would uh, – Pay the extra twenty five bucks. Just, I mean, they knew no one was coming. I mean, it's rare. I mean, <laughs> They're the scared, door, I, man. I know people are scared, Sless, of these government people. I say you pay for government insurance when you get a chance to pay for government insurance. You're talking about protection money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you're why? If, why would you? I mean, because you're scared. Twenty five bucks. I, I can what? absolutely. You know, they'll, they'll. Who knows what these people will do? Well, it we does, know what they'll do. They'll put you in a jail cell. There you go. Possibly. Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, if anything, that that'd be a great thing to do for like disobedient, uh, a civil disobedient thing. Or, or if that's what you no. want to do, is civil disobedience. That's one thing. Well, if, I mean, uh, also showing the the system. I mean, the the gun in the room. I mean, well, it doesn't have to be civil disobedience. I think civil disobedience tends to have a public component to it, uh, whereas non cooperation might be a little bit more sure, accurate of a, yeah. of a term there. So, uh, Jer- uh, and Jericho, any other thoughts you want to share? 
Oh, no, I think that's it, guys. Thanks. Appreciate the call tonight. Good. Yep, 800-259-9231. I wish I could buy a big government insurance policy that would get them off my back entirely. You know, a one-time payment? Yeah, fi- yeah, well, 500 bucks a year would won't be work, absolutely though. worth it. It, w- it won't work. I mean, they, they'll they keep coming back for more. It's one of those things where if they know they can get the kind of money out of you, then all of a sudden the deal's going to change. And even if they did, I mean, what they do with the money is... Yeah, there's that well, who too. knows that the government insurance program program would necessarily be, uh, you know, instituted by the government? Oh, oh, oh! You mean like a private agency that would protect you from the government? I buy that yeah. too. I'm totally in favor oh, yeah. of that. I would, buy, I would pay for that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, sign me up, right. man. Where, when is that getting here to New Hampshire? Who is going to start that? I don't know what it would entail. Some people have tossed this idea around before. Of, uh, I know Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com came up with it a long time ago of having like activist on hire kind of thing where uh where you know it wouldn't really be guaranteed protection or anything like that but you would pay him on a monthly basis and then if something happened to you he would come out to where you are and hold signs and just you know bother the city council and (laughs) Uh, i I have a plan for myself that's like years down the road from where i'm at now but like an insurance company to uh, incentivize people to stop paying taxes i mean uh figure Mm. out there's there's a mathematical equation i don't want to get too much time here but long story short you pay a hundred dollars a year in in taxes you pay us 40 stop paying your taxes you pay x amount of dollars every month right. and when they come we'll highlight it help with the defense and uh show sh- again show them the gun in the room i mean i love it i yep. love that idea i think that uh th- there is the what was it the save a patriot foundation i don't think they're still around maybe that maybe they are but i know that they had some trouble it was an organization of people and, and certainly the way they designed it probably should not be duplicated but it was a similar <laughs> concept where people who weren't paying federal taxes were uh jo- they join up to the save a patriot program and their information would be kept anonymous, and this is one of the problems with the program was Save a Patriot refused to even publish the amount of members they have. So you don't really know what kind of financial strength you're dealing with. But the the suggestion yeah, the, was... Part of an insurance uh, program is financial strength, right? Right. The suggestion was that when something happened, they would request money be sent in, and then, like, if somebody, one of their members got busted, they would request that uh, the money be sent in, and then that money would supposedly be dispersed to the person who was losing their home or whatever it was that was was happening to them. Uh, I don't know if that ever successfully worked for anybody, but I do know that the the feds did come down on them at some point. (laughs) Like they always do. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't think that the idea couldn't work. I mean, there would have to be some sort of distributed uh, savings where it wasn't all in one place. Sure. Yeah. Uh, That's like my mind. I mean, without getting too much into it. But yeah, I have a a vision of of, of getting people connecting them, keeping it off the radar. And then, yeah, you'd have to buy things that can be easily uh, sold off precious metals, cars, properties. Um, Yeah. You just can't have a bank account with a boatload of money in it. They're going to take it. They, you know, they'll seize it. It's easy. Toll free number is 1-800-259-9231. And I think those ideas will become more and more possible as more people come here with the, the capital to start businesses like that. And you don't have to start big. It's going to become profitable. That's when it's coming. I hope so. Uh, as I say, sign me up. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. We invite you to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything at all. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Show archives. We've got years' worth of them available to you for free. You don't have to log in or you know pay some kind of membership fee or anything like that. They're just right there. Front page of the website. You get a uh, week's worth, and then you click into the podcast or the archive section, and it'll go back to 2006, all free for you at freetalklive.com. Memorydealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, XFPs, GBICs, Zenpacs, and X2s. They're all 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off of list price. Memory dealers um, can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. They are your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. It's MemoryDealers.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Still to come, the post office. Uh, Mark, you've got news about they are ready to raise rates again. Uh, And again, it just keeps coming. And we'll also talk about whether or not they're actually private. Because people, the, the post office people particularly are notorious for claiming how independent they are. And you've got the details on that, right? Well, they're getting lied to, too. Sure, sure, sure. So we continue, though, with your phone calls first. Vince is in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Adam, and Mark. Hello, gentlemen. How are you this evening? Hey, Vince. What's on your mind tonight? Listen, I wanted to – I heard you and uh, Ian – or Mark and Ian, and I can't remember who else you had on here Monday night, but you were really going off about budget troubles in Illinois and and California. Yeah, they're having a tough time out there. And even on the East Coast, they're having tough times. But – uh, all 50 states have sent National Guard units to the Middle East, mm-hmm. and the states have to pay for that. Really? First, the federal government's supposed to reimburse them, but they haven't yet. Or the <laughs> Department of Defense is supposed to. Really? I oh, was yeah. not aware. Huh? I was well, not the, aware the of Middle that. East. So you're saying basically the state governments are fronting their troops to the federal government, and the uh, the federal government has not paid up? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, because, uh, I mean, for... For lack of better words, these people are these people are very inexperienced. They're weekend what you call weekend warriors. Yeah. But uh you know, they're being sent over there into danger and harm's way. And they're being sent out in front of the Marines and the United States Army, who's supposed to be well trained in dealing with these these types of incursions and but Sure, these, I thought the Marines were supposed to be sent not. out first. Is that not the case? Yeah, I mean it's just like you know, here, you go out before we do. Is that really true, that the, the National Guard are going out first before the Marines? It wasn't the purpose behind the Marines to be the badass guys that went in right. first? Here we go. Hoorah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, see, then uh, then they can, I guess, in the uh, you know, from what I understand from military terms, they send out, you know, a whole, you know, like 25 or 30 people that they, they Consider maybe expendable. Sure, you know it sounds real familiar. Like uh, what, what kings used to do back in the days, the, uh, the Anglo would get a bunch from like the Irish, and they would send them into their battles first. Mm-hmm. You know, save our men for the for the you know the real fighting or afterwards, or they come back in our field. So, uh, not shocked by this at all, really. Wow, well, I, th- this is news to me. I would love to have someone confirm this one because it's uh, it's pretty surprising. Uh, to, it's it seems surprising to me, but then again, maybe you know maybe that's what they're doing. I, I'll have to take your word for it, Vince. Well, yeah, and, but the states are having troubles financially because yeah. 
So you're saying bring the troops home uh, might help them a little bit with their their finances? Yeah, bring the National Guard troops home. And, Sounds know, like a good I, idea. Vince, I thanks mean, for the know. call tonight, dude. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Maybe somebody who's been over there uh, in, in Iraq or Afghanistan can confirm that for me. I know that they sent those guys over there, but it seems pretty unrealistic that they would send, the, uh, send in cannon fodder like that, but... I guess that's kind of uh, doesn't seem very nice. That's, that's for sure. Right. That's the that's. I, I mean, guess I had a friend who signed up for the reserves and ended up in Iraq. I mean, I, 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 it takes a lot to surprise me on what government would do, especially True. on uh, the military stance. Yeah, you know, the idea that uh, you're going to sign up for the reserves these days and uh, you know fight fight the war from uh, Connecticut is pretty silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're they're taking people from uh, all over. They're making people uh, stay longer for their their durations. Uh, what they call stop sure. lossing. Uh, military not a safe place to be right now, unless of course you're looking to catch hard bullets with your soft body. The toll-free number again is 800-259-9231. So let's talk about another bureaucracy that is as big as, if not bigger than, is it bigger than the military, the uh, the post office? I, I know there's, it's I was going to ask you that. It's a toss-up. I, th- they're, I have they're, no idea. They're both very, very big uh, bureaucracies. Maybe bigger than the Army. I, I don't know if it's bigger than the entire military. I'll check that out, though. What's going on with the post office, Mark? Uh, this is from abcsnews.com. I um, believe I got it from freetalklive.com. Cash-strap post office finding ways to revamp for survival. Mailing that rent check or sending mom her yearly birthday card is about to get a bit more expensive. What is it, 44 cents right now? I don't send letters. I, you know, why are you asking me? It, we'll should say, it should say in here, I think it's uh, 44 cents and it's going to go up to 46 is what I believe. But yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't send this stuff. And my, my wife buys those forever stamps knowing full well the, uh, the post office is going to raise the price. So, you know, anyway, um, if the post office gets its way on Tuesday, the U.S. Post, uh, Postal Service announced it was to raise the price of your stamps by another two cents, bringing the price to 46 cents. The hike would also be applied to other postal services. The cost for mailing small packages would increase by roughly 7%. All these changes come at a time when the Postal Service is very worried about its financial future. The Postal Service faces a serious risk of financial insolvency, said Vice President uh, Stephen Kearney. Last year, the Postal Service cut 40,000 full-time employees and made other reductions to expenses. It ended up losing $3.8 billion last year and is looking at a deficit of $7 billion this year. The post office has not raised prices since 2006, but this new round of hikes is already provoking howls from many business people. And the rate hike won't even fully solve the problem. The uh, increase would bring a roughly $2.5 billion, not even half of what the post office uh, service expects to lose this year. I'd like to point out why, bus- why would businesses be the ones that are howling? Because the post office at this point is sort of a subsidized competition to uh, FedEx and UPS. Mm-hmm. And secondly, the post office is a government subsidized ad venue. An ad venue like Free Talk Live and so many other, the, 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 the yellow pages, newspapers, things like that are what they call ad venues. The purpose of the content in the newspaper, the purpose of the content on Free Talk Live, the purpose of uh, the, the names in the phone book and the white pages is so that you have in their hand the ad venue, the venue to which they can advertise to you. And that's all the post office is really anymore. If you have a post office uh, box in front of your house, and, and I don't, because... Well, I don't want to be bothered by this stuff. But if you do, you get a whole bunch of 
pizza Crap. ads, uh, you know, car service. Sometimes ads. it's useful. Like I'm if you're a coupon clipper not. or something like I didn't that. Which call I'm not. It crap. I did not call it crap. Some of it's crap. I, I'm, yeah, Ian, I, I don't. It's not crap unless you don't want it. There's only. I think a lot of people don't want some of the stuff they're getting. Understood, would, but at some point they do. It's an ad venue. Yeah. It is a push sort of ad venue where they put a bunch of stuff out there and then 1.2% of it or whatever comes back. So the people that need their oil changed, it's not crap to them. I think the bigger thing besides what comes in your mailbox is what people don't realize is no matter what, they're having paid for this. You say they lose money, billions, or I forgot the exact number you said, but the post office doesn't lose anything, which is probably why the businesses are complaining because they're the ones that's getting their bottom line eaten out. The post office just keeps surviving off of the money they'll just take from everybody else anyways. That's which- the point, is that these business, these business people have become used to what is essentially Subsidy. government welfare yeah. for business people. Because that's all the post office is doing at this point is is not all. A largely their business is bulk mail. Yeah, They're sending the out this crap. I'm and trying that's to think like what kind of stuff do I get? Uh, sometimes people send me checks through the mail. It certainly that happens. That is business, though. I mean, I'm doing business in that way. Right. I would prefer that um, I was able to operate through a system that wasn't subsidized. But I'll take, when it comes to first-class mail, I'll take the idea of sending it um, uh, you know, through the, the regular you mail might just because well. it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. And you might have your chance here in New Hampshire. There's some folks that are starting like a Lysander Spooner delivery service, really? right? Right? Right. I don't know. Oh, we'll have to talk about that. I That's mean, yeah. great. Let's talk about it. 800-259-9231. Also more about the post office this. here in a moment. And your calls as well. Maybe you work for the Postal Service. What's that like? It's Free Talk Live. Take control. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, inviting you to take control of these airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231, almost 80 radio stations across the country, also covering North America with a uh, satellite signal as of last week. Online, man, on your cell phone, on your phone, you can get Free Talk Live in so many different ways now, and it's thanks to our amplifiers. It's thanks to our listeners who have ponied up as little as three bucks a month to help get Free Talk Live into new ears around the world and around the country, and it's working. We're taking that money in, we're reinvesting it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country and expanding out into other listening venues, because not everybody listens to the radio, although most people do. I think, what is it, still in the 90 percentile mark, like 96% of Americans or something like that? Listen to radio on a weekly basis. I don't know if it's as high as 96. I would have gone for 92 would be the number that I would have gone for. It's in the 90s. There's a lot of people listening to the radio. I also don't think that people necessarily know whether they listen to the radio or not. I think that that number is low because people don't know whether they've listened or not. I I live in an RV. We travel. I listen to the radio all the time. Sometimes it's annoying. I wish I had a show like Free Talk Live to listen (laughs) to while we're traveling around everywhere all the time. I mean, there's some places. I mean, you guys are on what? 50. We're on 77 radio stations. Yep. So there's sometimes we get lucky, but yeah, I'd love to have it more. More amplifiers. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, so we're, we're doing our best to get Free Talk Live into as many listening venues as possible. And it's thanks to listeners like you. So please go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board. You can do it with any major credit card, PayPal. Some alternative options are available as well. And you get perks like access to the AMP only call in lines, the AMP only forum, podcast, and more. Go get all the details, get signed up, amp.freetalklive.com, and thank you in advance. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
com. As we continue discussing the Postal Service and how it is, as Mark, you point out, that it's actually a subsidized venue for business people to spam. Would spam be the right word? I mean, unwanted uh, commercial mailings that would kind of be spam wouldn't it yeah it's it, um you know spam i would say is electronic version but yeah i mean you know it's it's junk mail is what yeah. it's called i don't i don't like the term because i don't think it's true you it's don't like junk only, mail as a term right i don't think that that's i, I don't think that's i don't think it's correct or fair i think it's inter- interchangeable right i mean you know if if you get a uh you know a coupon for a 15 dollar oil change and you don't need your oil changed it's junk mail but if you do need your, need your oil changed it's an opportunity. Or if you solicited for it. If you, you know, you're at the uh, place and they ask for your address and they send you things, that's... Different. That's something entirely different. Sure. Um, and, but, but so would spam be a better term, do you think? Because spam kind of connotates unwanted mail. You might see a spam mail that is useful. Of course, I don't because I get thousands of uh, spam mails and, G- and Google sure. is and very you, good you about... you also might sign up for junk mail. Like, you might sign you up could. for things wanting some other stuff every now and then or a good, you know, once in a while, but then that's junk mail. I don't think the term spam is inaccurate. I just don't like these terms because um, my my opinion is is that the sender doesn't necessarily know whether you want or don't want these things. So mm-hmm. uh, spam is this negative has this negative connotation to it that uh, I you know I don't think is necessarily fair. It, it depends on what is contained in whatever the missive that they receive. I mean, if it's a if it's a coupon for a free Rolex watch, suddenly it's not spam anymore, right? Yeah, I see where I see where you're coming from. So, um, you know, I I just I don't like the terminology because I think that it, you know, what it's it's terminology made up by amateurs that with short tempers, and that's that's how I feel about it. So, um, let me continue. Uh, Where's the story from? The, the originally from ABC, okay, but I want to make another point since we're yeah. saying spam subsidized. Since I've used the term subsidized, I need to be able to back that up. If it's government if it's government uh, subsidized, then the post office it's isn't taxpayer subsidized. Taxpayer subsidized. Uh, then the the post office isn't this private entity that it claims to be. The post office will claim to you that we're just like any other the people working there. We're just like any other business. We're, we're out running there com- in the black com- competing in the marketplace. <laughs> yeah. Well, for one, um, they they aren't because the government will bail them out um, on a but regular basis. They bail basis. out their pension fund, don't they? Uh, I understand, but let me read what when the, Cato... Well, well, when they talk about running in the black, I believe they're not including the pension fund, but I may be wrong about that. So it may be, I, I can't. I haven't been able to find out about this pension fund claim that you've made, okay. um, but I have found some stuff here that, that changes everything. Right, okay? From Cato? <laughs> from Cato.org. Um, let's see, the UPS's expansion... In the, I'm just reading a, a paragraph here out of something just to give you an idea of what uh, I'm talking about. Expansion into new markets threatens private sector providers because the Postal Service enjoys unfair government-established advantages. The U, um, USPS pays no federal, state, or local taxes. Nice. Of course, they're exempt. They're the arm of, of their brother. Brother, Chink, chink. I mean, that's a huge amount of money put, mm-hmm. uh, put to the bottom line. What, what would be the bottom line if they had one? Um, it can borrow from the treasury. So, I mean, how so many an businesses... unlimited credit line. Right. How many businesses can just have an unlimited cre- credit line to some bank? And that bank, of course, is the United States uh, taxpayer. Which can, of course, forgive the loans if it so chooses. If its new business ventures fail, it can make up losses with higher stamp prices, which I guess suppose any company could raise its prices. Mm-hmm. In addition to being exempt from most government regulations regulations under which private businesses must well, operate. Wait a any company can raise their prices for a stamp 
but the USPS benef- uh, benefits from having a monopoly on first-class mail. Right, under so, a dollar. Right, so they can raise their prices up to a buck, and there's not they, really much they, that anyone else can do to compete. And they also have the advantage of having men with guns, so if, like, like when Lysander Spooner started up his business, to come and stop you from any competition. So not only will they price gouge you, but they will also come and physically harm you. That's right. The increase in first-class mail um, from up to 46 cents, which is what they're asking, is a good thing. There's a there's a threshold where people will begin of using out of the market the uh, the competition even if it costs more i personally yet, yeah i personally would send mail at one dollar with uh us or one one dollar and one cent with uh, fedex or ups if they offered that service but they haven't yet you mean you, mean you would do that right now even with the uh, yes. first class at half price i would okay i, I would simply because well, that, it's, it's it's economical it's smart no, nah, I, I would do it because I think it would. I think I'd get better service, but I'd probably do it from a uh, philosophical standpoint. There are some people out there that would do it because they they trust. Who right. doesn't? For, for most trust. people, it's the wallet. It's, it's yeah. so it's what they understand in their pocket, and that's sure. that's the problem. Indeed, the post office doesn't provide as good a service as uh, as UPS and FedEx do, and um, I think that at some point, like so, when the stamp price gets to seventy five cents. I think that the post office is in big trouble. So, so so far, uh, there's there's no competition for first class mail, so they can kind right. of raise their prices to whatever. And of course, even if it goes up to a dollar, Congress could always pass another law that says, "Well, now it's two dollars. Now you get protection up to two dollars, and uh, you guys can't compete. Uh, UPS and FedEx they you could can't do compete. that. They could just change the rules right. across the board. Um, exemption from state, local, and federal taxes. Right. Exemption from most government regulations under which private uh, sector businesses must operate." Uh, they can borrow from the treasury basically at will. They, um, it's uh, perhaps uh, worst of all, the the post office enjoys regulatory authority that it uses against competitors. Mm, for example, it recently general. imposed costly new regulations on private mailbox companies, driving many customers away from those enterprises. Really, to uh, po-, po boxes. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to bring that up that they regulate the size, colors, shapes of your mailboxes outside as well. The post office general has own- that power. They own anything that one that these letters are are delivered to. They That's own your post office box, the one sitting out in your driveway. If you don't think it's true, to, uh, you know, to, uh, think about putting asking your friend to toss something in that mailbox. Well, for I, you. I wonder what regulations. They're not going to get into the detail here, but I, I'm just curious uh, if you happen to, to work at a like a pack mail or a UPS store or something like that, one of these private mailbox uh, suppliers out there. What kind of increased regulations have you had to deal with? I wonder what that is. This, I think, this article is. Uh, this, this, the UPS store here in Keene went out of business. This article from Cato is from 2000, uh, 2000. So oh, it's wow, a, it's a relatively so, old article, it. but it doesn't change these, no. um, you know, the, the differences. Here, I, so. I bet you in most industries, there it's security. They'll, you know what I mean. It has to go th- even when uh, the UPS here in town, they have to take it somewhere, and if that's like a UPS distribution. Uh, it's similar to like TSA agents will be in there. They have to do this and increase security is always a way government increases costs on anything, regulating the security of things. Well, I always thought it would be a cool idea and I'll just throw this out there. I hope somebody takes it and runs with it. We might do it here in Keene one of these days, but to essentially operate a, a real private mailbox service. Like I like the private mailboxes. I will never buy a post office box. Um, it's like mail, mailbox, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah mailbox, yeah. et cetera, which is now owned by a UPS store and uh, pack mails. These private companies that will receive your mail for you, they put it in a little box, you get a key, you can come in. Some of them are 24 hours, a little vestibule that you can walk into at 3 in the morning. They don't have those around here. But, That's pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, they had those in Sarasota. 
and you come in otherwise during business hours. You can check your box, and they'll hold a package for you behind the, the counter, that kind of thing. It's sure. really it's a nice service, and it's cheap. You know, you're paying like uh, what are we paying for our box right now, Mark? Seven bucks. I think it's seven bucks a month or something like that. I can't answer. On the high end, you can get a big box for like twenty. 23 bucks yep. or something like that. And I mean, just to have the safety of delivery, if you're not at home and somebody sends a package to your house and then some other crook comes up and takes it away from your, your front door, it's not FedEx's responsibility. They delivered it to your house and that's it. That's all that was required. Uh, but these guys, will they're there at a physical location and they hold it for you. That, that alone is a pretty valuable service. Uh, plus, there's the extra privacy of being able to have uh, one address and you can move as well. And, and the better customer service. I mean, you know, yes, if something does too. go wrong... They'll teach you right. Let's talk more about uh, the Postal Monopoly here in a little bit. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Adam is with us from LibertyOnTour.com. Uh, and we'll come back with hour number two in moments. It's Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. second hour of the program. You can dial in and take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickles CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian. And Adam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, you can go to freetalklive.com and interact with other, other listeners in a variety of different ways. Also influence the stuff we'll talk about here on the air. Mark, uh, you've been talking about the Postal Service. We're going to continue that discussion here in a little bit. Uh, we, you got that story originally from freetalklive.com. It was one of our listeners that put that on our website. If it, if it weren't for listeners like you, we'd have nothing on our website. Uh, we wouldn't have uh, any content there. So thanks to you for going there if you uh, if you have. Uh, and thanks to you in advance if you haven't yet uh, for going there and taking uh, whatever it is you find on the internet posting it uh, if you think it's interesting if you think our listeners would enjoy hearing about it post it to our website and then other listeners get to vote it up or down in the most popular make it to the front page in the top of the site freetalklive.com it is totally free we're talking about the post office uh let's continue and go to your phone calls wallace is in vermont you're on free talk live hello wallace hi guys hey, wallace. uh basically i thought you guys would like to know about the postal service that uh not too many people know about uh everybody's been talking about uh the postage, and all this other kind of stuff. But uh, nobody mentions the, the business about money orders. When you go to a postal office and you say, I want a money order for X number of dollars, uh, and, and you pay the extra fee, you're not required, and they won't accept your name nor the payee's name. 
So when that money order isn't cashed or used or gets lost in the infamous mail uh, system, that money gets pocketed right into the Postal Service. And so what you're saying, well, you hold on, let me see if I'm straight with the, the, what you're saying here. You're saying that the post office doesn't require you to put a name on the, the money order. So no, they won't accept it. They won't He's accept saying it. it's almost policy to where they want to do this so that if you don't, if, if I send it to you and you don't claim it, cash it after a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. they will take it. as if They're stealing more than they already are. And no other money order company is allowed to do this. If you go to American Express agent or your local supermarket, and they have these generic money order companies uh, that essentially are the same thing. They're in direct competition with the Postal Service. Mm -hmm. You have to give your name and address Hmm. and the payee's name and address. And I don't recall having to do that when I've purchased money orders. Maybe. Yeah, when I go when I've gone to Walmart or uh, M. Scott, is all I've had to do is fork over the money, and uh, then they give me a uh, money order. They're supposed to take your name and address. No, I think that what you're talking about is oh, if it's over a certain number, if it's over a certain amount, then you do have to show identification, and they may require uh, certain information from that, you. That might be true if yeah. it's a small amount, like fifteen dollars. No, or it's it's the, the level's a little higher than that. It's uh, they trade. Generally, remember, when I get a money order, it's in the it's in it's in the hundreds. Yeah, I found more difficulty cashing them than getting them. You know, uh, I've had some when I was in one of them diaries I had with some with me, and we were trying to cash them in L.A., and it was like. You know, trying to pull teeth. Really? Was, yeah. ID. Oh, I've never cut. tried to pass cash one. Uh, and then, and then uh, out of state, especially for being from out of state, like uh, they actually uh, thumbprinted me and had, had me put it on the back of it. Like I thought, money orders were easy to cash compared to checks, but I guess you're right. I probably haven't cashed very many. Normally, I just uh, if I'm buying, normally I'm a buyer of of money orders. But yeah, I agree with Mark. Uh, usually, the the amount is fairly high. It's usually over five hundred dollars uh, to trigger some sort of an identification requirement, as I understand it. Yeah, well, the thing is that that uh, even American Express, they had uh, something a couple of years ago that close to 17 or 18 percent of all the money orders that are purchased with uh, for American Express never get cashed. Nice. And as you guys are aware, I think uh, I'm involved with abandoned unclaimed property, uh, which, by the way, uh, the lawsuit was commenced in New Hampshire. And uh, you're suing the state of New Hampshire as you have sued other states in the past to uh, to essentially get uh, names and information out of them. No, 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 no. We're we're a step ahead. We basically have a lawsuit going against the New Hampshire treasurer. And basically that is solely on the basis of the deprivation of people's personal property without due process. You're saying what the, let me see if I understand then, because we've talked to you about this before, you're saying that uh, that basically these state governments have millions of dollars in unclaimed property. From billions. Billions, depending on the state. Uh, but uh, they, that uh, they've got all this money in unclaimed property that basically people, maybe they moved out of a house and they uh, the power company tried to send a refund, but they didn't know where to send it. And so that money by state law in some places goes to the state government after a certain point. And, and- now there's like some big room full of cash. Well, in the state is the state government is supposed to track you down as a service to to try to find you to give you the money, right? Oh, and yeah. of course they're not doing that. So that's what you're suing over, right, Wallace? Yes, and it, and essentially what I've done, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get the activists in in New Hampshire uh, a little bit interested to to do what we've done in Vermont. We've got about sixty people that are going uh, and taking the abandoned unclaimed property list. And there's $62 million due roughly a quarter of a million claims. 
So if you remember your history back in 1929, when everybody correctly thought that the banks were going to fail and they ran to the bank and there wasn't enough money, well, Vermont, like every other state, only keeps about 1%. So 1% of $62 million is about $620,000. And they keep that money around in case somebody comes to them and says, hey, I moved out of my house, I uh, forgot my power uh, refund. Do you have that for Hook me? Hook it up. Right, so they'll have the 1% because there's not that very many people that are going to come and request this stuff. Until basically we come along and just like Bernie Madoff with the infamous uh, Ponzi schemer, a Ponzi scheme works so long as the so-called investors don't demand their money. So as with Bernie Madoff, the typical Ponzi scheme is you take the new investors' money to pay the old investors, so the old investors go out and say, Oh, this guy, Bernie Madoff, he's such a nice guy. Why don't you invest? And that's exactly what the CFOs of every state and every Canadian province and, of course, some foreign countries. So, so businesses don't. need to go out and ask for their money back or individuals? It's everybody. It's even governmental agencies. And that's the, that's the funny part of it, because here in Vermont, where I live, the present treasurer, who, by the way, is running, and this is this you guys will really love. He's running on both the Democratic and Republican lines come November. There's so, a difference. <laughs> so basically, you have a choice. You know, either vote for a nobody or vote for this guy. And of course, you know, he's almost a shoo-in unless, you know, activists get together and say, look, you're a crook. You're stealing all this money from people. And the other side of the coin is, if you look at it from the overall standpoint, you're a banker. You got all these small, tiny, tiny deposits, say under $200 for purposes of this discussion. Every time you send, talk about the post office, something out to these people, you lose money. Postage, stationery, what have you. So why not, going back approximately to 1950, why not convince the state lawmakers, here's your cash cow, the golden goose concoct these laws so that we, the bankers, can send you this, these profit-losing accounts. You put it in to your wonderful general fund, and up until the latest of the financial, uh, whatever you want to call it, snafus with Wall Street, everybody was happy because basically the bankers got rid of these profit-losing accounts. The state CFOs were happy because they got they all this money. money. They would right. turn around, take all the surplus money, and put it into what they call a request for a proposal. Hey, news. guys, we have X number of million dollars we'd like to invest for 24 months. Well, if you're rich, you go to the bank and you get a certificate of deposit, and you know you pay a penalty if you want to turn around and, and, and uh, close it out early. So basically, Wallace, what you're looking to do is make it so these state governments have to pay out on, on these unclaimed assets somehow. You, you originally trying to reach the people that had the unclaimed assets to try to get them to claim their assets. we're still doing that. You are still and doing, we're doing that as well. Now and we're suing them. We're doing more than ever that stuff. Hey, and Wallace, how can, time, people, how can people get in touch with you? You said you need some help with this, so how can they do that? Uh, SUP, that's S as in Sam, U as in Union, P as in Peter, fraud, F-R-A-U-D, 
at gmail.com. SUPfraud at gmail.com if you want to help out Wallace with uh, making these state governments have a real tough time financially. Thanks for the call tonight, Wallace. Good luck. 800-259-9231. It's an interesting approach, and I hope it works out for him. There's more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here. Adam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Uh, we've got a lot of features there, and they are for free, including our webcam. You can go watch and listen uh, all at the same time at cam.freetalklive.com. And the cam, by the way, is brought to you by MemoryDealers.com. So head over to cam.freetalklive.com. You can also interact with uh, with other listeners because our chat room is built into the very same page. Uh, so watch, listen, chat, all at uh, cam.freetalklive.com. So our number here is 1-800-259-9231. The School Sucks Podcast, by the way, you're looking for some other good liberty-oriented audio programming. They provide ideas and information about the eventual end of childhood subjugation because indoctrination plus regurgitation plus graduation does not add up to a real education. Usually you get that when you get out of government school. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. Dot com. As we continue, uh, we take your phone calls about what you want. Corbin is in Mississippi. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Corbin. How's it going, everybody? Corbin, uh, what's on your mind, Adam? It's good. Uh, it's good to hear from you again. Hey, how's it going, Corbin? To... Hope all's well in Mississippi. Oh yeah, it, I've, I haven't gotten any speeding tickets lately, so I'm well, not stay away from the Jones County much. Sheriff. <laughs> so, what do you want to uh, share tonight, Corbin? Well, uh, I was kind of. Uh, uh, provoked and engaged uh, in a positive way, as always, by uh, Adam's Facebook update. So I saw the thing about the Postal Service, figured I might chime in about that. Um, you know, there's the old saying that there's no honor amongst thieves, and I think especially with any government-operated business or cartel, uh, such as the Postal Service, that there's no integrity. Uh, for example, you know, it's like the there's a link on y'all's website right now, best up and coming. Arnold Schwarzenegger puts two hundred thousand dollars workers on seven, uh, on you know, minimum wage per hour, and I think that that's the same way that the postal service does. If you look, the the head, the postmaster, he makes eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Meanwhile, the the company goes bankrupt. If we privatize the uh, the postal service, I mean, they would immediately. Uh, be bought out by FedEx, UPS. They have no incentive to compete. And now well, no, I don't know uh, if that's true. I, I don't know if it's true that, uh, first of all, FedEx or UPS would be interested in their decrepit old uh, equipment that's likely really outdated and uh, circa yeah. 1973. They've got uh, something besides the, well, uh, the, 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 the monopoly. It's mostly like just taking in some of their workers, training them, upgrading they, they them. They may, but, but I, think it's, I think it's fallacious to believe that the post office, uh, were they to be actually severed, their ties from 
the federal government to be completely severed, that they couldn't make a go of it. I mean, it's unlikely because they are bureaucrats, but on the other hand, they just don't have the right incentives. They're human beings, uh, and uh, the, I, I guess they're not necessarily good managers, or, or maybe maybe they wouldn't do it very well. I don't think they could do it as but, quickly enough. But uh, there's oh. the possibility that they could all of a sudden whip the organization into shape. Something and, similar might make it, but this system that they have well, now see, is, the thing is, is done. We're not we're not submitting them to market discipline, so you can't really judge that. Uh, no, I'm just the, saying uh, there's a chance that they could make it and that there's not necessarily they, – they wouldn't be necessarily having anybody beating down their door for their assets to try to buy them out until yeah, they fail. Uh, and then also I think – I don't know if you guys have seen their new commercial. They're using uh, Toy Story to try and market people, stuff like that. Mm. And I think that's that's kind of like uh, – I mean you're you're picking favorites and stuff, and you know I think that that's – Right, didn't the government crack down on like cigarettes for having like camels and like cowboys yeah, that are cool to kids, yeah, and now they exactly. want to use Toy Story? Well, it's okay for them to. to uh, There's no honor amongst them. There's well, no integrity. Now hold on a second. Now look, I'm not the I'm not somebody who's going to go to jump to the defense of a government agency, but uh, in this case. There are all kinds of companies that do deals with uh, toys. Toy. Well, the other companies don't tell what other companies can't do, though. Right. No, I, I understand that. But you're acting like this is an unusual and thing. The, and I mean, have you ever had a happy meal? What? It's at the stake of the taxpayer. We have to pay for uh we have to pay for that, and I don't. No, mean, it's likely that Toy Story is. Well, I guess you're right. They probably are paying Disney for that. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, but to act as though like having uh, a tie, a tie-in with some sort of licensed product is is outrageous. Well, I don't think really. No, is. I think I think it more or less well, explains well, the double standard in the system. To you is, are you in favor of any of the government bailouts where they picked uh, favorites such as Goldman Sachs and other companies like that? It's the same thing, but it's I mean it's on a different. You know, less playful. Uh, I mean, a more playful playing field. It's the same thing. It's special interest. The government should not distort the free market with uh, with incentives and uh, with uh, other people's money, especially sure, the taxpayer. Sure. There's no honor amongst thieves. I, I understand where you're coming from. Anything else so, you want to share, Corbin? Uh, anything else? I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty much it. I right. just think that hey, we thanks. should privatize it. Uh, give submit them to market discipline i think i would agree that they would either be uh bought out they would hire some of those workers retrain them and realize that you, there is no unlimited money supply in the real world I outside think of the state and uh, uh corbin uh, you probably maybe you know this maybe you don't but um, countries across the world have privatized their postal services for real not like they they call the post office uh, privatized here in the united states and they're lying to you but really cut the ties and said, hey, look, somebody can deliver pieces of paper and packages uh, for a profit here, and we don't have to be involved in it. This is 250-year-old technology, the idea that the post office has to be run by the government because it couldn't have been done profitably. And I, who, we really don't even know if that's if that's a true statement. But, um, you know, they, countries are making it ha- privatized all over the world. There's no reason the United States needs to subsidize this stuff. There's no reason in the world that it should cost the same to send a letter across town as it does to send it across the country. It costs more money to send something across the country than it does across town so that means you're cutting the throat of the person who's trying to send something across town for in favor of the person who wants to send something across the country communism doesn't work in governments and it doesn't work in stinking package delivery services either and we're talking about privatization i know there's an activist up here jason talley who's going to start up a spooner delivery service and i know he's got some of the groundwork laid out now but essentially direct competition with uh 
uh, the, the United States Postal Service, and I think it was while we were on the road where the, the idea spawned, and I came up with its motto or its tagline, which is uh, the spooner the better. Now, uh, Tally is a busy guy. I mean, he's the, he's the director. And thanks, by the way, Corbin, for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. He is the uh, director, executive director of the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. He's one of the bloggers over the brand new free Grafton.com. Uh, he's also, is he on a couple, is he a cop lock? He's he, not a cop Well, he, he helps us out with some behind the scene works and okay. has our theme that's up there now. He's also doing so. the free agents thing, fr33agents.com. That guy is one of the, if we need more Jason Tallies. People come up here and he literally, literally has jumped in with both feet first into the activism up here in New Hampshire. So I'm curious, obviously you're not Jason, but maybe you know, cause you've talked to him about sure. it. The, uh, the, the Spooner delivery service. Is it planned on just being a Grafton uh, based thing? Well, I mean, or when what? we discussed it and I, when I seen him over at Porkfest, I mean, um, when we discussed it, we, we weren't, none of us were sure where we were going to be in New Hampshire at that time, mm-hmm. um, but I'm assuming that he's going to keep it close to where he is and then grow out. I'm sure that when it, it does well in Grafton, um, he'll probably seek somebody or maybe somebody here in uh, Keene and Manchester will pick up this thing and, and mock kind of like a um, Last Biscuit, you know? Th- yeah, like start- a private underground delivery service. There I love you it. go, right. But- and if it flops... We don't have it to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. It's and his that's, assets. That's the total difference with the post office. When it right. flops every couple of years, and that's what essentially what it does when it comes with its handout saying, please, could we raise our stamp rates? Yep. Then we've got, all got to pay for it. All right. Uh, more coming up here. Your calls about what you want. Private delivery, postal service shenanigans, whatever you want to share. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Take control of the airwaves. And this is Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. And we got a lot of features there, including our listening options, live streams, both broadband and dial-up versions, plus our webcam listen lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance and listen around the clock. You can listen in at listen.freetalklive.com, and it's all free. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or a living trust, even register a trademark. They're empowering you and protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. It's LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL, as in Free Talk Live, to save $10 on your order at LegalZoom.com. All right. We continue with your phone calls here. We'll also continue the discussion about the postal service. Matt is on the line listening in Washington. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up the point. Um, I was glad you mentioned the uh, Spooner delivery. Lysander Spooner, the great 19th century libertarian anarchist, actually started his own post office uh, privately and uh, brought up the point that there is no actual legal restriction by the government on anyone making their own post office. The only thing is, they litigated him into bankruptcy entirely, just really? destroyed his business. Yeah, they, pr- they, they lowered their prices to put him out of business, right? Yeah, and they destroyed him throughout state coercion. There was, there's no market 
uh, responsibility there at all. Well, wait a minute. Point of information. Uh, it's always been my understanding that there is a prohibition on selling uh, first-class mail services under a dollar. Really? I was not aware of that. I just know maybe that, uh, maybe that the wasn't the case during... Right. This was the 1870s. That's right? what I was going to say, too. I don't think that... I, I mean, think it was instituted because of Spooner's... Spooner. Uh, right, yeah. yes. None of us here yeah. are, ex- are experts on uh, U.S. federal law from the, 18th, uh, from the 19th century. So Right, I mean, but I, I would imagine that Cato <laughs> piece that you're talking about, Mark, reveals that $1 restriction, that that does exist today. Whether it, restri- whether it existed or not in, in Spooner's time, I think you're right, uh, Adam, that they put it in after Spooner to deal with that uh, in the future. That way they would have a mechanism within their system that they could point to and say see see says right here you can't do that yeah that's that's what i believe i recall that i read somewhere i can't pick it off the top of my head where but it's out there what else do you want to share tonight man oh that was really about it Thanks. um but yeah i just want to let everybody know that the only thing the constitution says about the postal service is that the united states government shall maintain a postal service there okay. other than uh, these other 19th century laws that you've, uh, you've told me about. I really don't know that there's any other explicit constitutional restraints on uh, creating your own postal service. Well, so. the Constitution doesn't restrain people. The Constitution supposedly restrains the government. That was the original intent behind the, uh, the, the paper, is well, that it was a set of rules for the government to follow. The post office well, doesn't I mean, that's mean... one way of looking at it. I, I, the way I look at the U.S. Constitution is that it was an expansion of governmental power um, over the Articles of Confederation. Mm-hmm, sure. I mean, the Articles of Confederation, uh, I think, are a far superior document uh, to what we have now. I understand and, uh, that. But all none the of Constitution those... did was give a monopoly on the interpretation of um, the uh, of, of its own contract. I see where you're coming from, and I agree generally with what you're saying. Uh, I'm just telling you that it's not a document that controls people uh, outside of the government. And though the the Constitution doesn't say there is no, like, it's not illegal to make a competing service for postal services, but they will use things like the DOT numbers and other things that mm-hmm. their their goons will attack a, a person who would cho- yeah. choose to start up such a business. So right. tax IDs, yeah, sure. et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they, the, they've the got plenty of words on paper in other places that they'll point to and see, see, you can't do that. Exactly. We wrote it yeah, down. Exactly. And the constitu- <laughs> but the constitutional mandate to maintain a postal service does not mandate that that postal service needs to run six days a week, five days a week, nope. or two days a week. The that postal, postal service, service could be could, could be something you know uh, could be essentially something that uh, is only you know delivers to a major the, the, cities and then people. I mean, or that's it just how it delivers used to, be. to Congress. You could, you could just have like the postal service be the guy that takes the mail in the Congress building. I mean, if that's what you want to, if yeah. you were a small government kind of guy, that would be a, a decent proposal. It'd be like inter office mail. Right, exactly. Hey, right. thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, Matt. 800-259-9231 as we continue here. Just uh, on the, uh, the private delivery service that you were talking about, uh, yes. Jason Talley from cdevolution.org, uh, planning on starting up his own Spooner delivery service, and I think it's a fine idea. And the I hope Spooner it, the better. I hope it works out for him, and uh, I think there's a real value to having a private delivery service, because when you're dealing with the people like FedEx and UPS, and UPS I think is worse than FedEx, but... Anyway, these guys are going to be somewhat beholden to the state in that if the state wants to say, all right, we're going to bring some drug dogs in here and we're going to sniff out every single package that goes on you know, on your, uh, your little, what are, what, are the, what do you call the package moving devices in the Conveyor stock belt? room? Conveyor belts. There you go. Uh, various different uh, belts and that sort of thing. They bring dogs in and they'll sniff out those packages for several hours in the uh, the attempt to catch drugs and sure, things like exactly. that. Sure, exactly. You have no sense of privacy in your packaging or, or what, what gets right. sense. And, and I, 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 I'm not speaking for Tal or what his business model might be, but I know some of the things that were discussed in the past and when I've, I've talked with him 
where that wouldn't happen. Not to mention the the, the mail service that we know as of now will limit you packages and other things. Like they'll pick you up. At, you know, delivery means anything. They'll pick you up a pack of cigarettes at the store and bring it to you. Nice. Uh, you want a pizza from a place that doesn't deliver? Oh, that's they'll, they'll cool. bring it to you. Um, you that's know, really useful. I mean, when you're talking delivery about delivery service like, in a broad sense, people that uh, maybe don't have a car, for instance, exactly. might want to go to the grocery store. You could go and do shopping for people. So, yeah, and- I mean, it's a great thing that they're going to introduce here as activists in New Hampshire, but it's mm-hmm. also a great thing for people. And, you know, it's a great example to show them and how delivery services of what the post office does could have evolved and been a hundred times else. better yeah, yeah. than what, it, what we know it as of today. And that's due to the great. government's involvement, it's this crappy system. I, I think that's awesome. I hope it works out. And I think that uh, what would be really cool also as, as a compliment to that would be to have really private mailboxes. I, I started to get into this. We had to go to break earlier. Uh, the idea of basically... You were saying, Mark, earlier that the federal government owns whatever it is that they put the mail into. So you don't have them put mail into into what into something. You have a clerk who, like at a UPS store or something like that, or mailboxes, etc., will receive the mail, and they they can receive it under like a company name, like you know Liberty Boxes or something like that, whatever. And so you address it to yourself as though you are working for that company. So you'd have people send you uh, your mail at this address, except you wouldn't put like PMB for private mailbox. You would just put, you know, extension 157 or whatever sure. your, your number is that identifies who you are. And then you're, you're just, well, you're just a private contractor for this, uh, this organization. You're, you're, this isn't a mailbox service. This is a private uh, company and we're just accepting mail for our, our private contractors here. Mm. And so you just have somebody operate at a front desk, no mailboxes out for the, uh, the, the mail people to see. Or that would be like confusing that. for them. Yeah, they yeah. don't need to see that. <laughs> right, so your clients would go sure. down a little hallway or it's something like, a screen, like that, right. and, then, uh, and then you would have, be, have the person at the front desk, and the, the postal person would come in, okay, here's your mail, and they hand over the mail, and then you All just right, take like it and separate a, it. Like a bank, so you get the little room with your safe deposit box, and they open it up, like maybe mm-hmm. you have something of that essence, they'd be like, oh, well, here's your mail, Here, you know, you have your key, open your box, have yep. a nice time. And well, I think what the, that leaves out is the probably the, the, high, the biggest feature, I think, um, that uh, they can offer, is, which is 24-hour accessibility. Yeah, that would be and, nice, too. And uh, I don't see how you could do that without the post office bureaucrat seeing that there are mailboxes there i don't see that it matters well no you could well it would all it i mean would all when you're talking about colleges that uh, receive mail that, that that's they, true you know they've got private you know different employees can have different mailboxes. yeah and there's no reason why an employee couldn't have a mailbox a physical mailbox you're right i mean i haven't really thought through it too much but i figured yeah, that's that would why be i'm something, here super genius that would be something that would be uh, i think a uh, fairly high demanded service i mean you could start up something like that and then the activists that are coming into new hampshire for the free state project would be able to buy a mailbox in advance without having to put up a whole bunch of identification and crap like that they'd have privacy and because normally when you buy one of these private mailboxes they have this federal regulation that requires them to be this uh, federally approved mail receiving service and Mm -hmm. they have to get you to fill out a certain federal government form that gives your home address sure. and you know has all this information on it so the feds can go after you for whatever reason if they want to whereas a private mailbox service would like a real private mailbox service would just basically say okay well what name should we receive this uh, for you as okay well give me your money and okay we're going to receive this for you Absolutely. Be it. and it's something that can be started up with uh i mean depending on the the scale you wanted to do it at but for the most part minimal cost i mean you're talking like graft and keen these these uh communal yeah you can do it at a house sure that's exactly what i mean uh, they're just like uh, some of the other folks up here that do things right out of the house you know the the customer relations gets built uh they want me to buy a pack of smokes you give them the five bucks whatever it might be you run right. them off and come back i mean there's no overhead needed da, 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 and we da. already have activists who like for instance uh, you guys have sent some things here to the studio yep. uh for uh, your uh, liberty on tour just because you've been out and about doing things and so 
I didn't charge you for it, but that could be something that could be charged for if it's if it's in demand and people want that, and that could be a way for an activist to profit from their activism. Absolutely. Uh, more coming up here, which is really an ideal situation when you are a liberty activist instead of pouring money into it to actually make a profit. It's great. More coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. is Free Talk Live. Andy, you can bring up what you want. Take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. Adam. And Mark. And Adam joining us from LibertyOnTour.com. Make sure you head over there and get subscribed uh, to their RSS feed on uh, your feed reader programs. You can follow what they do or bookmark it. LibertyOnTour.com. Uh, as we continue here, we'll take your calls about anything. Mark, we were going through a list of uh, the Postal Service benefits, like how it is that they're not entirely independent. In fact, not really very independent at all, as they so much like to claim. Uh, did you? How far do we get on that list of, uh, of perks? Well, I'm, I'm reading two articles uh, at the same time here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, simultaneously and at the same time. And uh, the one I have sort of finished, it's uh, from Cato and it's from 2000. And, um, you know, it was just a, pl- it was, it was a place for me to, to because th- whenever we talk about the post office, the first thing that some people will say, especially people that work for the post office, is the post office is completely private. Because the post office isn't completely private. They're lying to their staff, okay? And I'm sure that the people that work for the post office believe this nonsense. But you know, I, I'm, it's just that, that, that's the fact, and, and we read through a list of uh, of benefits that the post office enjoys. That the one you didn't mention was one of your favorites. Uh, the the fact that they really don't have to pay rent in a lot of places. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, the of times they'll get uh, they'll get uh, the facility they get they get for a dollar a year yep. or um, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things like that. So right. not only do they not have to pay state, federal, or local taxes, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they don't have to pay rent. Now, think about this That's for a second. <laughs> this organization is $5 billion uh, in the red. They don't have to pay rent, oftentimes, and they don't have to pay taxes. Are they in the red? I didn't know that. I, they they're always $5 claim billion they're in the, in the red. Yeah. They're, they're, they're broke. <laughs> they're definitely gotcha. broke. They don't make any money. Uh, we were actually at the uh, local uh, post office here in town. And uh, Pete came out like visibly like upset. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, these people. He's like, 15 people in line, three people at the window, two standing in the back. One person in the window isn't doing much of anything. And yeah. she's like, I'm about to go on break and choose five people in her line over to somebody else's line. <laughs> but two people are in back. I mean, I don't know if they're exa- are they unionized or whatever. Yes, probably. Yeah, most and, government and, and they are. also feel that the market, b- besides being lied to, that they think they're private. They also think the market demands that they make thirty dollars an hour with, mm. you know, Uber benefits. I mean, yep. they're that uh, disoriented. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I have that number, that five billion number wrong. They were 3.8 billion in arrears last year. The deficit they're running this year is expected to be seven billion. Wow. So at this point, um, just last year and this year, you're talking about ten billion dollars. I don't know how far um, in the red they are from years in the past. So that's cumulative. That's not three billion plus an extra four this year. That to seven total. That's seven plus a three. deficit uh, tends to talk about an annual budget, budget right? So yeah, they we're, we're not talking about three. A debt. And- 
we're talking about a deficit. Maybe it's seven billion there. In uh, either arrears. way, I don't know. Change. The idea that the post office is running in the black, and they'll tell you that too. Mm-hmm. We're, we're making a profit. No, they're not. Mm. They're not making a profit, and they don't have to operate by anything that looks like what a market, a business that's operating right. in the marketplace. And the three to four cents increase isn't going to solve this problem, no. but it's, it's what they want to do for the problem. And they're getting their butts handed to them in the area of package delivery. Mm, they sure. can't do it right when they do their tracking thing. It's uh, the, the most uh, hilarious. Uh, thing in the world you know UPS, unless you're actually concerned about the package ups and fedex thing. will practically tell you where your package is in the air yeah. and the, the the name of the guy their employee that is the standing the closest to it i mean they'll do all Almost. kinds of things for you yeah. whereas the the post office will tell you that it's been picked up after it's been delivered i mean they, they got nothing for tracking their yeah. tracking is a joke and uh, anyway, let me go on with this this article. Right, about- and they have the audacity to actually call their system tracking. Right, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> silly. <laughs> This I increase- remember when I saw that for the first time. I thought, "Wow, the postal service has tracking now!" And so I went in and I typed in the number, and and that's all you get is whether it's been delivered, and that's that's yeah, it. It's just garbage. This year, um, th- this increase they're referring to the two two cent increase that the post office is requesting, and they mm-hmm. have to request an increase. Yeah, they'll get it. Is just the most recent. It doesn't matter if they get it or not. It's still a disaster. Sure. I mean, if the post office got four cent increase, is it bad or is it good? No, I mean, as I the, don't even know. As the article <laughs> says, it won't even cover their costs. So What's bad like- is the post office, not how much they charge for a first class stamp. And they can only estimate what they're going to get out of the stamp being uh, the, the stamp prices being raised. They don't right. know how many people are actually going to say, ah, screw it, I'll just email grandma. Right. right. Every, every every year, fewer and fewer people use first-class right. mail. Businesses generally don't use first-class mail. They use bulk mail and all kinds of they're other things. They're doing everything they can to figure out ways to avoid using it. If we you look almost at the, never use it at my house. Well, if you look at like your cell phone contract, uh, sometimes it'll say, hey, sign up for our paperless billing and we'll give you a $5 credit on your next bill. It's yeah. just a one-time thing, but uh, it's uh, trying it's a, to give their customers an incentive to save them the extra money of not having to pay for that post. Well, the post office has no incentive to look at these logical avenues of correcting the problem. I mean, uh, they they simply, I mean, they're looking at the the stamp to solve this huge issue, and it's not going to do anything. It's the overhead. It's these other issues like we're talking. Uh, it's the uh, wages that all these people are afforded, their their benefits. It's I mean, look at it without what'd you say, rent, taxes, what else? I mean What else do you need? Yeah, I know. Rent well, and taxes well, if I, I could mean, cut that exactly. out of my life. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you can't run a business with that, then I mean what the market would cr- crumble on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely a disaster. Oh, and so, the, the guaranteed monopoly price structure as well. I've got to get to this piece because it is absolute pure comedy. Okay. Right. This increase just most recent in the series of deficit fighting plans. Uh the Postal Service has uh been trying out since March. Another large part of the plan is their proposal to cut mail delivery to just five days a week. They should cut oh, yeah. it to three, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But eliminating Saturday delivery, um, by eliminating Saturday delivery, it's written wrong here. According to their reports, cutting back delivery to just one day would save two or three billion dollars a year. But even cutting back on Saturday delivery might not be enough, so the post office is getting creative about other ways that they can generate revenue in the future. Hmm. One idea involves, I love this, this is absolute comedy, involves turning the 36,000 post offices in the United States into places where you can buy retail items, get hunting and fishing licenses, or just hang out, much as one does at Starbucks. What? Well, it could be something like where you get Wi-Fi or help with some sort of identification card that you oh need to get more gosh. info on, uh, said Ruth Goldway of the Postal Regulatory Commission, as if Ruth has this, uh, you know, under this 
opinion that people are just going to want to hang out and post offices. They're the most <laughs> nondescript, boring, awful places. Right. Even and, if you cheer and, them I mean, up with the, Other than the Starbucks reference, do are any of these, the, the DNR, the DMV, yeah. anything else that they would incorporate, are any of them profitable as well? I mean, it's like bringing poison <laughs> in with more poison. It's, Who would right. want to hang out at the DMV? I mean, th- you, you talk about how Pete came out of the Postal <clears> Service <throat> where he, he had these observations about how slack-ass they were and that they weren't uh, you know, getting things done. And, and who hasn't seen that? Who hasn't stood in some unbearably long line at the postal surface watching as three employees are in the back just, you know, screwing off yeah. and uh, two people are manning the registers when they've got the line going out the door? I mean, how, how many times has that happened? I don't care if you bring in, uh, I don't care if you bring in Jacques and he, uh, he, t- he paints the whole place magenta, taupe right. and chartreuse and puts hanging medallion lamps all over the place and, you know, makes it a for beautiful, that too, by yeah, the way. Oh, yeah, you would. Uh, makes it a beautiful place. It's still, what are you going to hang out there for? The reason people go to Starbucks is for coffee, coffee and uh, well, service. They presumably and things would like introduce that. things like coffee, right? But, uh, can you imagine drinking the post office's <laughs> coffee? No. I don't want that crap. It's horrible. It sounds awful. The, I, mean, <laughs> you, I, I, I wouldn't want all the other status agents that they're going to bring in around it either. I mean, right, like, the, you, they go on a DNR agent standing the, over you while you're looking at your mail. The, the same surly mid-level bureaucrats slapping your coffee down in front of you with a here's a scone slap you know bouncing it off your forehead i don't want the service that they're going to provide to me at the uh, at the the, uh postal cafe the the usps (laughs) postal cafe i do not want that crap thank you no right and when they talk about these thirty six thousand post offices you're trying you're imagining the ones that you go to in the major metro areas are little holes in the wall a lot of them the one the one in my town is uh, you would there's nothing there yeah, it's in a what lot I'm of cases. What do sit by myself and, get, and use Wi-Fi and talk to the one lady that yeah. works there? Come right. On. So most right, most of those thirty-six thousand locations are a little hole in the wall that the post office rents at a local drugstore or something like that. Some sort of local store rents them a little window, basically, and they've got like one guy in there that that does things. Or in many cases, they actually uh, essentially are a subcontractor for the the postal service, and they they just handle receiving packages. And yeah, I've like been that. in one of those when we were. I want to say Oklahoma. Oklahoma, uh, that we just outside of, uh, we were rolling up to uh, this. It's, we look it up on the map, and it's like this craft shop, and we're like, "This has got to be the wrong place." But we all came, we're like, "We're looking for mm-hmm. the post office because there's nothing around." And she's yeah. like, "No, we do that." Yep. And it's like, "Okay, I mean, yeah. that's not exactly what you're talking about." I, I never figured it out. There but. was a place on Main Street in Sarasota that was in a uh, a nutritional store, a vitamin store, and you just walked to the back, and there was a. a you know, yeah. just a little room, and you'd get it there. And you know, some some post office. This that guy was really good. I've got to say. I mean, he was an awesome postal employee. Wait, but, he was a postal employee or a private guy that was doing a postal job? I can't job? answer the question. I don't know. He, I think he wore a uniform. It's been so long. Okay. But you know, some of the these employees, they have sort of this this unspoken military uh, program where they take in these guys that are so shell shocked that they're liable to go off any second. That's the one who's going to be serving you coffee. <laughs> you don't like have, it? No, wait, that wasn't the only idea, right? They were getting creative. Well, were, were there more? That was the best one. All I mean, right, nothing, well, nothing, everything pales in comparison. We'll come back. Uh, hour three's on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Uh, bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. 
When you're planning your move, consider Keen. Keen is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed Liberty Media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, newsprint, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, the busiest Liberty Forum in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free, take control of the airwaves, if anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here. And Adam. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts, they charge you for their sites. You have to buy a membership to get in and experience whatever it is they have to offer. In many cases, you don't know what the extent of it is until you pay for uh, the subscription. And if you're disappointed, well, too bad. Uh, here on Free Talk Live, we give it all away. There is no membership subscription. You just go and you just sign up for the site. You get access to whatever you want. In fact, in many cases, you don't have to sign up for anything. You just click and download the files and enjoy. It's all free over at freetalklive.com. The way a good talk show website should be. As we continue here taking your phone calls about what you want, uh, let's go to Matt listening in Wisconsin. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. On, with, hey, how's uh, it Hey, you're on with Ian, Adam, and Mark. What's on your mind? Um, I live in Wisconsin, and they just, uh, it's kind of funny for the 4th, uh, they had a, uh, smoking ban go through, yeah. or it actually went through, I think, last year. For the 4th? But the, uh, on the 4th, uh, No, uh, no, it just, uh, it was a bill that passed last year to, uh, ban smoking in public areas. So you said it was the 4th? On the 4th? It came into effect on the 4th. Gotcha. At midnight. All public so, areas, what does that include? Uh, I think it was actually just for public buildings, such as, like, bars and restaurants. Well, that's but, not public. Uh, so you mean well, pu- oh, private okay. places oh, yeah, yeah, open to uh, the public. Not public areas, but, like, yeah. So, yeah, they uh, that just went through, and it was just kind of ironic that it was on the uh, Independence Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Celebrating freedoms while they take one away, right? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Limiting, but I, it's kind of silly, too, because, I mean, there's so many places around here where I live, there's places that are just non-smoking bars to begin with, even mm-hmm. before the ban went through. So, so I mean, is, is there any resistance? You ever heard any bartenders say, you know, this is my business, my property, my decision, and I want, you know, my customers yeah. want to smoke, and I'm going to let it? Yeah, that's the general feeling is that, I mean, most places should have the right to decide. Uh, no, no, that wasn't the uh, question. Yeah, yeah. What they want. The question wasn't, is that the feeling? The question is, is there anybody who's going to disobey? Um, not that I, I haven't been out to the bars Sad. recently, so I don't know if they're really abiding by that yet. Yeah, you'd be hearing but, about uh, it if, if somebody was, uh, at least presumably yeah. you would eventually, maybe, just, maybe it's a little too soon to be hearing about it after three days, but, uh, over in yeah. Charleston, West Virginia, where we are on the air right now, uh, Kerry Paco Ellison heroically stood up against the smoking ban down there. We had him on the show a number of times, by the way, people like to accuse us. Well, you all talk about New Hampshire. Well, no, if we hear of a great example of civil disobedience going on somewhere around the country around the world uh we'll we'll talk about it we have, we actually had carry on a number of times uh and he heroically stood up and refused to obey and enforce this ludicrous ordinance on his own customers in his own private establishment and the and guy's the, the, hero the, the city or, or county or whichever it was uh just about 
destroyed his business in the process. It oh, yeah. was really, you know, they <laughs> they didn't they didn't pussyfoot around. They came right in and did some terrible. On the stuff. other hand, it was probably pretty good for his uh, business. All the the mentions that he got in the newspapers and on the radio and things like that. But yeah, this is one of the things that eeks me the most is because it's something as simple as a smoking ban. That's the choice, and it's a uh, the logical answer of like, well, if you don't like it here, like obviously there's a market for it, or you to go create your business over there that's non smoking and smoking. You could create twice as many jobs. You know, I mean, the the, the arguments f- for not having a smoke ban uh, you know the list can go on and on and uh, it's just so decur- discouraging how, how often or how many people just lay down let it happen i remember back when i when i was in wisconsin and madison did it and it was uh, i could i was telling everybody then is this is the test for the mm-hmm. whole state to, to go by and if they, if they lay down here it, it's on and they sure did I mean, a lot of people talked a, a good game but when it came down to hey it's whatever day we say at midnight where this starts uh they started booting people outside, and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, it could be a real chance for, for people to stand up and make it. Mean, it would be an easy victory if people just said no. No. That's, well, that's, that's, it's all always, it that's always a true statement. Whenever the government comes down with some absurd uh, regulation, if business owners and the customers were to just simply say no, uh, then it would be unstoppable. But the problem is it's difficult to get a business owner to put his assets on the line because he spent however many you know thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars investing in his business, and he doesn't want to lose it uh hey uh, matt thanks uh or uh, rather uh, uh matt, matt thanks for the, yeah it was matt we had two yeah. mats thanks matt for the call lots of phone noise there 800-259-9231 is uh, the sacral cai toll free line so yeah i mean that's one of the things i try to do is encourage people to uh to take some risks and to uh to, to try saying no and, and do it on the little things you know you don't have to put your whole business at risk right out the right out the gate uh, but just just try saying no in some areas and see how empowering it is and see uh, see what see what it feels like and then maybe you'll expand out from there. Or if you don't want it to be so scary, uh, come to New Hampshire. Yes. Say no here, where you will have t- uh, 50, 100, 200 people who knows uh, um, around your business, property, whatever it might be, who will say, "Yeah, I agree with you as well," and I'm willing to stand here with you in solidarity and say this man, person, place is is uh, doing what they want and they're not harming anybody and right. we're not going to let you harm them. You know. So here's where it's at. Let's continue with your calls. Uh, talk to Josh in Nevada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Josh. Hello, Ian, Mark, and Adam. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, actually, I was going to bring up uh, one of those sore topics on the show is immigration. Okay. Bump, okay. And this one actually uh, involves me. So okay. I'm an American, but I'm married to an illegal immigrant. Heroic. And it's, yeah, it's definitely very odd. Because even though they would allow us to get married, to get the license, and get married, right now they won't allow us to stay together or get information to find out what we need to do. The, the process of, of getting, what, a citizenship for your wife, is they're not like coming forth with that information? Yeah, well, it, it's a little complicated because uh, she was actually brought over here under false pretenses and against her will. Um, to Did you email me a couple of days ago? Yes, I did, Mark. This is the craziest story. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. This poor lady was essentially kidnapped um, and uh, brought here in... For what, like sex slavery or something? No, or? Um, I, I think you could probably use the term white slavery. I, I hate that term. That's but usually I mean, what it involves. It, it usually, but in this case, it was essentially a domestic... So um, like a maid, basically, yeah. that kind of thing? What, what can yeah, you like tell us, caregiver. Josh? Yeah, so she came over, uh, you know, as a caregiver. They, um, they, they uh, hired her. Uh, through her mother on the internet, an American, uh, an immigrant American who had citizenship, and then uh, they brought her over. They said, "Hey, it's like you're going to go down to Mexico, 
We're going to set you up in a hotel, wait there until my lawyer comes with all the paperwork for you for your visas and your work permits, and everything will be good. Well, instead of a lawyer, they handed her over to a coyote oh. who tried to ferret her across the lines. Well, they failed a couple times. She got in-processed and deported oh, back into Mexico, and the coyotes wait there and pick you right back up. Really? So they know what time they get released. <laughs> so finally, after the uh, second attempt that she didn't get through, they ferreted her in a vehicle, and they told her that if she made any noise, that they would kill her themselves because oh. they don't get paid until they get across the border. Mm. So That's scary. when she was here, the gentleman she was supposed to work for was very abusive uh, verbally and everything. And, uh, well, right, because you can't hire the, uh, the local maid service and yell at them if they don't, you know, if they're not doing exactly what you want them to, you can't treat them like garbage because then they'll just say, well, we don't really need you that bad as a customer and leave. But you're not that great. (laughs) But if you hire a, uh, a a person who has snuck here as, you know, essentially not begging the government for permission, then they're more beholden to you. You essentially hold the keys to their, uh, to some level of their freedom by the fact that you won't snitch them out or, or something like that or, or turn the feds on them. And so he had a level of control over her. Yes. And uh, there were several times where she had pleaded to let her go back to her country because he wouldn't let her use the phone, go anywhere by herself, even shopping. He would follow her just to make sure that she couldn't do anything. That's and, uh So finally, he ended up getting arrested by the police at their house. For what? For a warrant. Oh. Um, actually, for, for uh, some sexual crime that he had committed in the past. He was a sex offender. Wow. He didn't register, and they came and got him. So is that how they caught her at that point? No, actually, at that point, she sold what was left in the house and went back to her country. But after it took her a while to get there, but by the time she arrived, he was already there. Who was already there? The coyote. The gentleman that hired her. He had gotten out and was waiting for her in her her home country? Yeah, it took about a month or two for her to sell enough I want you to tell the rest of the story if you've got time. Hang on. uh, More with Josh here in a moment. 800-259-9231. We haven't figured out how he met her yet. Uh, More coming up. And this is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's. Let's Fix Dinner. Find dinner ideas to bring your family together at the table at letsfixdinner.com. Juggling schedules so that everyone eats together can be tough. Try starting with one family dinner a week, whenever you can fit it in. Take turns picking the meal and have everyone pitch in. Working together will bring your family closer, even if it is just once a week. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight it's Ian. Adam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got our shrine of female listeners there with the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see it for yourself there, that shrine. 
www.freetalklive.com. Are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? Well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? I did. And you can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we continue taking uh, your phone calls here, Josh is in Nevada. Uh, Josh, you're telling us a, a personal story about your wife. You are somebody who was born here in the political designation known as the United States, and so they uh, consider you to be legal. But your wife is somebody who is considered to be so-called illegal. She was smuggled here, um, and it wasn't really necessarily that she was expecting that. Uh, what ended up happening was that she thought she was going to get this gig, and then it ended up being that it was a coyote that uh, was picking her up, and she went. She had to go with him under the threat of violence, basically, to get in here. Uh, she ended up being uh, working for some sleazy dude, uh, as a basically as a maid or caretaker of some sort, and he was abusive toward her. He ended up getting arrested. She she escaped back to her home country, and he was waiting for her there. And that's where we pick up the story. Yeah, well, actually, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit on that. Um, she does go back to her country, and she rents a little room with the little money that she has, and she lives there for a couple months trying to find work, but she can't. Um, she does contact somebody that was a friend of this gentleman that was also a friend of hers um, while she was here, and she sends him some money and tells her that she has a house in Mexico that she can watch for a while until she gets on her feet. So she flies to Mexico to go watch this house, and that is when the gentleman is already at the house. Oh, it's a trap. Yeah, because apparently he's kind of hiding out as well. So would you say he has a thing for uh, for this woman? I mean, why is he spending so much of his personal time to go after well, a, a maid? I, I think it's business. I think it, he gets money for delivering these over there, and I think he might maybe uh, see her as an easy target, right? Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about the owner of the uh, the, the the guy that had hired her in the, the U.S. and that was treating her bad. That, that's who we're talking about, right? Not not a coyote. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh. The coyote was just to get her across the border. Right. So now this no. creepy dude that she was uh, was abusive toward her has come down to Mexico to try to intercept her and, and get her back? Correct. Got it. Um, because now uh, initially how it all started is that this gentleman had talked to her mother on the Internet and they kind of became friends. Mm. And because they were from the same country initially, he said he wanted a caretaker because he has a degenerative spinal condition and would like someone from his own country as a caregiver. Well, so he paid her mother so much money, which is undisclosed, for her to come over and work. And so... So he feels him, like he's paid for her services then and that she still owes him whatever the remainder was. Is that the idea? Correct. All right. Correct. So what happened and, then? And, yeah, and so throughout this uh, thing, he keeps using that against her about how much money he paid, and um, eventually he tells her that he's going back to the States with her and that if she doesn't go, because she's pleading not to, that he will get his money one way or the other from her. And to make a long story short, he uh, they eventually do come back to the United States, and he's there for about a, a year or so, and then he dies of a heart attack. Ah, good riddance. <laughs> you said it. I, I was yeah. going to go there. but Now, so what? When did, did you meet her? Well, that that comes in shortly. Okay. Because uh, cause after he died and she disposed of the body, because when the paramedics took her away with him, um, believing she was his wife, but uh, so then finally she was left there with no money, no job, 
barely spoke too much English. And then she and this survived time there wasn't enough job. stuff to sell. What was that? This time there wasn't enough stuff to sell. Correct, because they were kind of moving around due to his, run, you know, right? incarceration. Yeah. Got it. And uh, so eventually I met her near the area where I work, and I found her very intriguing. And eventually we started a relationship. Um, got, uh, we got pregnant, and eventually I asked her to marry me, and that was when she told me about her status. And to me, her status didn't really matter to me, but I figured sure. since I'm an American as you see in all the TVs and movies, that it's going to be so easy. As soon as you're married... Right, you just get married and that's it. Green card, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Now, because of the times before where she had got deported, it's kind of a black mark on her record. Mm, I see. So, so we can't go to immigration normally and say, hey, let us do the paperwork and we'll be all there. But I filled out a form detailing her story, and I went in incognito because I don't trust these bureaucrats and to try to get this information. Well, as soon as I came in, the bureaucrat there tells me, well, what do you want here for information? And I say, I have a letter here that will detail why I'm here to get the information for a friend. And he would not even read it. He wouldn't even look at it. And he just said, well, until we she fills out paperwork, she's just another illegal to me. Oh, see, in the, yeah, and, that's, that's awful. Yeah, and then the paperwork he does give me, he says, well, you have to fill out this form and this form and this form to get the ball rolling, which totals almost about $3,000. Wow. And even the form itself that he gave me, the very top, it says, to be eligible to file these applications, you must meet the following. One, must have lawfully entered the United States. <laughs> Oops. So that doesn't really work, huh? So no. At, uh, and how long have you been um, sort of the illegal status that you uh, you guys are are in currently? Um, for us together, in our in our time is about probably about two, almost three years. So you've been making it this far with her being, uh, I guess, a housewife and perhaps taking in a little work on the side, that kind of thing. Um, what's to stop that from happening in the future? Well, I mean, so far we've kind of been living kind of happily, but we're terrified of all the immigration laws and things that are kind of cracking down. So you guys are still together right now? I thought you were living in different... I thought she was captured or something like that. What? Uh, where, what's your current status? Well, no, no, no. We're, we're here. We're currently still in the United States. Oh, okay. You're just lost in the whole part of the story. No, right. No, I just remember you telling me about the email the other day, Mark, and I thought that uh, the, the, I thought the end portion of the story, the current portion, was that you had been separated from her and that they'd gotten her somehow. So no. you guys are still okay. It's just that you're, it's impossible for you to go through the system in, in any way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. thought that, I thought there was a part of this, uh, this story where um, you were a member of the military and you're going to be shipped off and then she's going to have to essentially fend for herself. Yes, I am in the military. My unit is, uh, I'm in the National Guard, and my unit is supposed to schedule to go to Afghanistan. Now, that's going to be a real problem, right? So she's going to have to go to the, at the very least, go to the grocery store and stuff, which she's probably already doing. Well, couldn't you? You could probably get around that. I mean, you're going to get paychecks. You could load up, like, some prepaid credit cards and things like that. You could use that to pay pay bills with and pay for groceries, that sort of thing. I'm sure there'd be a way to get around that. So, so your your real issue is that it's it's either it's not really impossible, but it's really expensive to uh, to work through and, and difficult to work through the system. Well, kind of impossible because they won't. They, she didn't come here legally, right? So pretty much, it's it, that's the issue, right? Impossible in the system. And, they, and we can't get any information, even from lawyers. As soon as we say the word "deport," they just won't talk to us. Man, it, the system is awful, and there are just so many tragic stories like this. I hope that you will uh, keep us in the loop with what happens, what develops in your case. And thanks for sharing that with us tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231.
On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Lots of features there. The wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you, W-I-K-I wiki dot freetalklive.com. You can go there and edit virtually anything you see, wiki.freetalklive.com. Hey, Mark, tell me about uh, how you're losing some weight. Well, I'm using Lumithin Plus. You can, you can go check it out at lumithinplus.com. This weight loss formula allows you to lose weight without having to go to the gym when, you know, changing your schedule, without having to uh, go on diets, which have never worked for me. Some people can do it. I, I can't. And they can it does it without giving you the, the jitters that so many of the other uh, weight loss pills give you. Go check it out at lumithinplus.com. It is a great item, and it's working for me, and I think it'll work for you. All right, again, toll-free number 800-259-9231. Back to the phones and the fun. Ty is on the line in Tennessee. Ty, you're on the amp lines. Hello there. Hey, great show tonight, guys. Hey, Ty, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, back to the post office thing. Uh, just wanted to point out that the U.S. Constitution doesn't actually require Congress to maintain a post office. It gives Congress the power to establish a post office. And, of course, Congress is not going to you know, waste its power. It's going to use its power. Mm-hmm. But sure. there's no requirement for it. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, and I, I mean, I'll take your word for it. I don't have the Constitution in front of me. and you know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, For anybody interested, it's Article 1, Section 8, lists all the powers that Congress has. And one of them is just simply to establish post offices and post roads. That's go. it. That's, that's everything about the post office and the Constitution. So they don't even have to. I mean, to establish a post road doesn't even mean anything either. They could just say, and we deem this a post road, right? I mean, the, right. What does that That's even mean? It. It's not defined in any way, shape, or form. It's very broad and loose. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. Anything else you want to share? All right. That's it. Thanks, Ty. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. We continue with Brett in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brett. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey. Hi. What's on your mind tonight, Brett? Brett, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um... I just kind of had a story I saw a friend gave to me a little bit ago about the uh, wonderful police officers we have around here in Indianapolis I thought I'd share with you. Do tell. Um, well, I'm sure you guys hear about the one, uh, I think it was about a month or so ago, it was, uh, was in Indianapolis, they beat, uh, beat up a 15-year-old kid. Uh, there have been a few instances of uh, teenagers being beaten recently, so what were the circumstances? Um, and that story, I think they were, I think they were arresting his friend or whatever, and I got, that, that kid, he just... Uh, he, well, I, I think from what I remember of the story, he just kind of walked over to the policeman or whatever, and it was just kind of, you know, being polite with him, saying, hey, you know, he didn't want him arresting his friend, and they just 
kind of basically turned on him and just started beating the crap out of him. Uh, Adam is here from copblock.org tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, has uh, copblock covered this particular we, we might have covered this one. I'm not exactly sure. And actually, Brett is also a contributor at copblock.org oh, okay. as well, So yeah. and, and at the Examiner. But um, yeah, no, there's so many. I remember the one where the ambulance or the dude was... Uh, an ambulance medic, and he was trying to run his wife or mother to the hospital, and the cop pulled him over and ended up the uh, person, I forget who it was, that uh, was in the car with him ended up passing away due to this officer trying to stop them from oh, like geez. running a red light or something like that. But Got to uh, write that ticket. Is this a similar story, Brett? Um, yeah, cause it ha- yeah, it happened in Indianapolis when I was just on Facebook a little bit ago. Was, uh, they told me that they had... On their page, I looked at it. It was basically, oh boy. um, says, I guess this, there was a pregnant woman there in Indianapolis. I guess one of her friends had a she's, uh, seizure out on her front lawn and passed out on her lawn. And, uh, she went to, I guess, right after this happened, the, one of the police officers in Indianapolis, I'm looking at the story right now, kind of just trying to summarize it. Uh, I guess, like, right after this happened, like, she was going to go, I guess, in the house or something. I don't, it doesn't say if she called 911 or not. She was going to go in the house and get medicine for her friend try and help her and when the cop came over you know she she was telling the cop you know hey you know can you give my friend this medicine i guess she was afraid to do it or something <laughs> thinking that you know policeman's supposed to help her you know mm-hmm, sure and i guess the, the policeman said it says the cop refused to give her give her friend the medicine told Serve her and told that lady to go in the ha- told her to go in the house and it says in the story that that lady went uh, went in, went to go in the house and the cop grabbed her by the arm real hard and then she turned around and said, she turned around and told the cop, said, you know, hey, you know, be be careful with me. I'm pregnant. And it was at that time I asked the cop maced her and just started uh, punching her and kicking her. Yeah, and it's, it, I almost like ever talking back to a cop, lady. Right. Respect. Yeah, I need respect. He, he beat her up so bad it said it caused her to have a miscarriage. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, I just read here. It says uh, he sprayed her and then kicked and beat her until she blacked out. Is this and, over at Cop Block? Uh, this, no, this was just posted on my wall. I was just okay. reading what he had told me, but I'm, this this was uh, posted today, so it's it's rather new. So, so wait, now, wasn't the original? So that was in Indianapolis, and some fifteen uh, year old was beaten also in Indy. No, the the other story I was talking about, I believe, was out in California. No, I'm, no, no, not uh, not okay. what you were talking about, but what Brett was talking about. You'd originally called in about a fifteen year old, right, Brett? Uh, Did I miss that? Do we have Brett? Do we lose him? Hello. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, he was having some uh, cell phone difficulties. You could tell that earlier. Sure. Yeah, I don't know if... What, but it's hard to keep track of all the, the, uh, the people that are getting beaten by the cops. I mean, it really, there's so many stories uh, out there, and uh, it's, yeah. it's that's what sort of has to happen, you know? Is that it becomes hard to follow it all, you mean? Well, it, it has to be that there's so many cases that finally the, uh, the government has to react. You're dealing with a monopoly. You're not dealing with an organization that's going to that's gonna respond to an individual customer or even a, a handful of customers. You've got you've to have so many people that it's just something they can't ignore anymore. The, uh, of course, the advent of the, the, the cheap sure. video camera helps. Early, earlier, you were talking about the misconceptions between the post office people who think they're privatized. Uh, police with uh, Pete and I's recent arrest in Massachusetts, which can be covered at coplock.org Greenfield, um, a Greenfield PD officer. That's the handle he, that this person has been. Uh, I guess I'm assuming he's a police officer. But that's the handle this man's been commenting under. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, there, I'm going to actually have a post on it coming up there soon. But um, uh, he, he doesn't understand how we view uh, police as a monopoly on protection. And it, so it's the same thing with the post office people. They don't. They, we're privatized. This is you know uh, this is us. We're separate. Police also don't. They don't don't, don't think that they hold a monopoly on force, i.e., protection. And uh, it's another thing that you have to break. But well, uh, we're clearly not a monopoly. There's the sheriff's department. 
Exactly. <laughs> well, you're forced to fund them both, and so yeah. therefore, when you're forced to patronize somebody, it's very cl- you know, it's it's a monopoly. And when you'll yeah. use force against somebody who would ch- decide to do the same service only better, um, they're all just divisions of the same corporation anyway. They're all divisions of the state of fill in the blank. Uh, they're just different sub corporations of that that one corporation. Basically. It's not entirely true. Um, in some states, towns uh, actually what you call home rule states. Towns make up the state as opposed to the state making up the divisions that are town made up of divisions. Of I towns. see what you're saying. So then. there's there, there's a slightly. But in different, that case, it's still a true statement because then the state police still is still a part of that corporation that the, the towns put together. I just don't want people out there to be uh, under the impression that all states are set up the sure, same. That makes not. sense. Sure. All right. So we continue uh, with your calls and unscreen call on the amp lines. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hello, unscreen call. Going once, going twice. Fail. See you later. 800-259-9231. Right now, the top story over at copblock.org is the BART officer shooting. Now, as those of you who have been listening to the show for a little while know, uh, or if you've been paying attention to bad cops for a while, you know that it uh, was, what, like a year ago that the, the the San Francisco Bay Area Transit or something like that, cops, they essentially executed a man in front of a crowd of onlookers, many of whom were armed with video cameras and did capture... Right, the majority of them. Right, and uh, the cops went around and they tried to snatch as many cameras from people after they executed this man as they could. It's evidence. But luckily, they were unable to get their get hands on everything, and the video, of course, hit uh, hit YouTube, and now there is actually a trial that is going on here. Bradley Jardis, a former law enforcement against prohibition member, a former cop, has predicted that nothing will happen to the officer, in this case, who pulled the trigger, uh, that there you know be a little slap on the hand, maybe, or something like that. Uh, what, are you, what are you seeing happening here, Adam? Because uh, right now, apparently, the jury is deliberating in the case. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I haven't, you know, with this uh, Liberty on Tour and some other things going on, I actually haven't read the story that Jen, who is one of the contributors uh, over at Cop Block, as well as Brett, posted, but um, I got the same sentiments as Brett does from the from what I heard before. Maybe I don't think nothing will happen because there's a huge outcry here, right. but I think there'll be some discipline, but compared to what you or I get, it'd be a slap on the wrist. For murdering somebody. In For the, yeah. blanked at murder on Execute. video. Point-blank execution in public. Right. 1-800-259-9231. So we shall see here uh, what will go down. And, of course, you can get details on that at copblock.org. One segment remains. Your calls uh, coming up next. Free Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free, even in these remaining moments, there's enough time for your call, if you make it now, to 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so do enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is that you need to buy, you buy it through amazon.freetalklive.com. You get the stuff you're looking for at great Amazon prices, and Free Talk Live gets a cut of the sale. You really can't beat it. Uh, amazon.freetalklive.com. To your phone calls, Jason in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jason. Hey, Ian, Mark, and Adam. Um, I was very happy last night. I attended a, a, a seminar called the Pikes Peak Economics Club in Colorado Springs, and uh, the topic was uh, the gentleman that we gave the briefing uh, was uh, Dr. Paul Prentice. He is a Mises.org uh, 
uh, adjunct scholar or something like that. And I was there with about 40 people. He gave an overview of, you know, the, morale, uh, the moral basis of capitalism. And at the very end of the briefing, I, got, I was confused because he did a very good job of explaining why capitalism is good versus uh, progressivism. But he kept throwing on the positive slides for capitalism, quotes by guys like Alexander Hamilton, even Abraham Lincoln. Mm. And then he would have contrasting uh, quotes from, you know, Ma, uh, Stalin, Mussolini, you know, Karl Marx. And I was totally confused during this time. But at the very end, uh, there was a question and answer period, and I was able to ask them, because I, I ascertained that he basically wanted a minarchist-sized government. I, I was able to get up in front of the audience and ask them, uh, is, your, is your ultimate goal a voluntary society or just a minarchist society? And I was able to get him to admit that he is toying with the idea of advocating a voluntary society. And I just oh, wow. wanted to tell your audience that uh, there are people, just like uh, I've heard you and Mark and others say, it's a gradual transition from conservatism or even liberalism to libertarian. And then once you adopt the, uh, the non, uh, non-initiation of force, when you understand that concept and you take it to its logical conclusion, you eventually pop out the other side as a voluntarist. And, uh, I, I think there's a lot of evidence for that, although I, I shy away from using the term capitalism. I, I'm in favor of the free marketplace, and people can advocate and say that capitalism is the best economic system, and maybe that's true. But uh, the, the, the fact is it, it has this connotation attached to it of, uh, of businessmen taking advantage of people and uh, you know the, the robber barons and all of that. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. got a, it's got a lot of baggage. So I always feel bad when I hear people trying to defend capitalism. It right. The like last thing I'm going to call myself is an anarcho-capitalist. I think it's a terrible, yeah. terrible terminology that takes two really ruined words that have a lot of baggage that basically were created by people that uh, that didn't uh, that, that didn't actually believe those things. They, they believe the right, opposite. Marx didn't Marx come up. That's with capitalism? my understanding that Marx created the term capitalism. Right, so, so why you would want to attach that to yourself? Uh, I, I don't know. It would be like accepting it if the government called you a militia member and you weren't. You know? Yeah. So I support economic freedom, which means that people can organize themselves in whatever way they think uh, would work best, and then uh, the marketplace will decide what actually does. But what your, your point of your call, of course, was that uh, this guy who is sounding pretty liberty-oriented, maybe small government, uh, was actually really un- – he understood the ideas of voluntarism and just wasn't sure whether or not, as he, you said, he was toying with it, whether or not he should really embrace them uh, publicly. Yes. I, I got the sense that he wasn't really. I, I got the sense that it was in his mind. The seed was planted, uh, but just just by his presentation. I mean, again, when you see Alexander Hamilton kind of being cited as a uh, almost branded in the free market liberty uh, light. I mean, Sam Adams and Alexander Hamilton were on slides as in you know as if they were founding fathers of the same. Yeah, Hamilton was a freedom. central. He was a central banker. Right. Uh, he was a, right. a centralization advocate. Sure. My, right, my only, right. Sorry, Jason, and it's, it's great to talk to you. And I really hope you make it down to uh, Denver when Liberty on Tour is, is out there. But yeah, um, I'll be there. Great. I'll be there my own bar. My, my question with all these uh, politicians, and I, and I missed the beginning. I, I'm assuming this was a politician you're talking about, but it was an economist, right? He, he's, he's, he's actually a guy, that, a, a side note, he started a school called the Vanguard School, and I'm just learning about it because oh. it's basically a school that actually wants to teach uh, Austrian economics in uh, like a high school setting, and he actually gave a separate, I heard about this guy even before I knew he lived in my area, I saw him on um, a Mises or something, he was giving almost the equivalent of a School Sucks podcast, 
overview of the school system, and I was really happy to see that. So I've, I'm, I'm looking into what his school has in store. But go ahead with your point, Adam. Oh, well, no, no, this, this, as an economist, it's probably relevant, ir- irrelevant. But I've heard, uh, I thought we were talking about a politician. I've heard similar ones say, and I always have a hard time buying it because once they get into the poison pool, no, you know, D.C. in the system, um, though it's the end goal or what they've said, you know, uh, Adam Kokesh had, had, had comments like that on some uh, podcasts like that. It would have been interesting to see how that panned out if it would have actually worked. But more times than not, even Ron Paul, who's uh, as liberty-loving as, as he can be, um, doesn't get all the way there due to the institution in which you're working with. So even though that might yeah, be their, I, their ideal end goal in their mind, it's almost an impossibility within the system. Yeah, actually, I, I learned just in the, in the thing he was giving that he was a hardcore leftist uh, FDR family, hmm. and he hmm. said he was planted with seeds along the way. He worked for Carter. I suppose as a Democrat on the economic, he doesn't have an economics degree, but I'm sure it's Keynesian economics. And then he kind of made his way to the Austrian viewpoint. So I I just wanted to call in and say that I was very pleased out of a crowd of 40 that maybe 15, 10 were of the voluntarist mindset. The other part were the minarchists. How did you get that indication that of the crowd that many was that way? uh, Just, Casual conversation at the breaks, mm. and also uh, a little bit of uh, beer drinking, and talking about voluntarism uh, with uh, two of the two of the people that came along with me to a bar afterwards. I think that's great. Uh, it kind of ties into something that's been going on. There's been a controversy blowing up over in the Free State Project Forum here over the past couple of days, uh, where the schism has reared its ugly head again. Which really, uh, it, to me, it doesn't exist. This divide, the supposed divide between people who support uh, the s- small government mentality and those who support voluntarism, that there's this schism between the activists uh, and that they're somehow not friendly toward one another, not willing to help one another. And I just I just don't see that in general. Uh, but uh, people are trying to make it sound like there's this there's this terrible schism. And, and somebody posted to the Free State Project Forum saying that uh, they went to Porkfest and they were overwhelmed by the amount of anarchists that were all there uh, together. And well, that I, was was, over, I was overwhelmed by that. I mean, but in a good sense, it was great. It would mean uh, this person was the polar opposite. This person saw all that, and uh, you know, maybe the pot smoking or whatever. I don't know. They didn't get specific as to what they didn't like about it, besides the fact that there were a bunch of so-called anarchists uh, together. He said it was the most he'd ever seen in one place. Which I agree with that too. Which, we do. Yeah. Which I'm like you, Adam. I feel like wow, that's a real uh, compliment. That's 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 a, that's a positive thing. Yeah, where's the problem, right? And so he's saying, well, you know, that uh, makes me th- th- rethink this whole move into New Hampshire thing. And so now there's all this hubbub over. My God, we're you know we're missing out on all these people and but on the other hand pork fest was the most popular pork fest of all time the porcupine freedom festival the summer event that the free state project puts on uh it was the most popular of all time 30 percent more attendance than the year prior the raving reviews are all over the place they're on the web they're on the uh, lrn.fm all the show like almost all of the shows on lrn uh the liberty radio network were talking in advance about pork fest and then after the fact talking about pork fest uh so there's incredible buzz around the event uh, but yet the people that are kind of coming from the politico small government side are again wringing their hands and what are we going to do about pork fest <laughs> yeah, yeah the answer What's the is problem? simple don't do anything. It was great. Yeah. It's going yeah. great. Let it be. And, and as things get more popular, you're going to have people get upset. As, as, as anything gets more popular over time, people become polarized about it uh, because that's just what happens. When, you, when you've got an opinion or you've got an event or you've got a, a program or whatever it is, you're putting it out into the public view and you're inviting people to get involved in it, inevitably some people that get involved are going to say, that sucked. Well, yeah, and, you can't get massive group of people together without right. having some budding heads. I mean, yeah. 
So that's just how I feel. Like, what what can you do about this? You you can do you tone it down somehow? Do you try to control who comes into the event? I mean, how how would they handle that? I think I said they could pull yeah, out. The Free State Project could cancel the event, but then likely the activists right. would pick their up the ball. Their most popular event and uh, the, right. the, their be, their best single best recruiting tool. Uh, it's 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 not an easy uh, dilemma. I mean, you know, at the. the the fact is, these ideas, and by ideas, I mean the, the the voluntarist ideas, they're getting a much more play from the Internet. They're getting more popular. The young people are picking them up. Um, uh, people are communicating far more with the Internet than they did in, in times past. So they're breaking down barriers of uh, that the, the minarchists have versus the voluntarists. I, I still I think that this whole voluntary society thing needs to be proven um, in real life before I'm going to you know jump on board. Well, you got to uh, give a chance, Mark, but, but that's I, the point. It, it, the question is it, not if you're a minarchist, but if you're willing to let other people try, because that's yeah. really the designation. A minarchist, by definition, I guess, would be somebody who wants to use force to stop people from trying to use a, to make a voluntary society. Time is up. We are out. Uh, visit Adam over at LibertyOnTour.com and CopBlock.org. And Jason, thanks for the call. We'll see you tomorrow night at FreeTalkLive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. So it's another edition of the Edgington Post. And uh, today I have with me Greg Lukin. Um, oh, <laughs> I never get this right, uh, uh, Greg. Lukinov. <laughs> Uh, Luke Yanov. Um, Luke. It, it's like it's Yanov with a Luke in front of it. Gotcha. Luke Yanov. Okay. And you're with uh, <laughs> the organization called uh, FIRE, and you help protect students' rights of uh, free speech on college campuses. And since college campuses are bastions of uh, of uh, rights and free speech, I, I don't really understand what you guys must be doing. I mean, surely you just <laughs> lounge around all the time. Well, that's a sad thing. And I mean, uh, certainly, you know, I, I went to, I graduated from law school in 2000, and I knew that there was a problem with speech codes and political correctness on campus. Um, but I didn't really understand how bad it was before I started working at FIRE in 2001. And I have just been really stunned. The, the, the kind of First Amendment violations that, that um, would be laughed out of a court and are laughed out of court when they do, God forbid, actually reach court mm-hmm. um, happen on a, on, a, on a fairly regular basis on college campuses these days. And I, and I think uh, I'm actually working on a book right now making the point that, I, 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 one, I think people have gotten much too used to stories of political correctness run amok on colleges that, they, that they've forgotten that it actually has long-term serious implications on the health of our democracy. So um, what are some of the things that you guys are working on? I've been keeping up to date, but I, um, you, know, you can rattle off the, uh, the stuff that, uh, that you think is important for our listeners uh, who, may, who may not be oh. getting your updates. Sure. Well, uh, there's so much to cover. Um, the main thing that I'm working on, of course, is, is the book that is tentatively titled Unlearning Liberty, um, which is an attempt to go through every stage of the collegiate process to actually explain kind of uh, level by level all the different bad lessons students are getting, uh, whether they be in the form of speech codes or orientation programs that show no respect for individual privacy, liberty, or free speech, um, going all the way through um, only getting to the classroom in the, le- in the second to last chapter, um, and just trying to explain how can we expect actually to have a national dialogue when um, the people who are educated in our country have been through four years of being told that there are, 
that you really shouldn't argue about anything important on college campuses. Yeah. But a great example of, of this is, um, uh, the, 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 and it's been a genuine trend since the Virginia Tech uh, murders um, uh, years ago, is that there's been attempts by college after college to ban or punish uh, students' uh, speech um, in support of gun rights, and in some cases just joking about gun rights. Now, this all came out of Virginia Tech um, in, in part because there were several student organizations that were, were saying, uh, including Students for Concealed Carry, that, this was a, that, the, that the Virginia Tech massacre was actually an argument for guns on campus, that, that, that if people had actually been armed when, uh, when Cho went on this murder spree, that they would have been able to defend themselves. Now, I can see how it's I can see how it's tough for somebody who doesn't get the whole gun rights thing. You know, guns are scary. Yeah. Guns are bad. Guns have little legs on them and uh, are able to pull their own triggers. You know, uh, that that kind of thought process. I I can kind of get it. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, those people don't care anything about people's rights. Yes. And, and that's and that's the thing is that in, in some cases, just to show you how far it went. Um, at, uh, uh, for example, Colorado College, um, that was an instance where uh, students actually were just joking about guns in, in the course of a parody of a feminist flyer. Then they were trying to do kind of macho. They were trying to, there was a feminist flyer called the Daily Rag. Uh-huh. And at Colorado College, some students thought this was really funny because it was really kind of over the top. It was talking about all, all sorts of uh, you know, easily parodable things that I, I I hesitate to repeat, but you can see on my having to bog. Uh, you can ha- hey, this is a podcast, and you can say yep. what you want on this podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Well, okay. So, so the um, uh, the Daily Rag it, it had a lot of it's a it's a clever name to, uh, for a feminist uh, newspaper. I'll tell you, the Daily. Oh, funny. <laughs> um, and, uh, one of the articles was about packing, which is how to actually look like you have a penis. One of the articles was what? about the uh, tooth vaginas. You know, all this stuff. But it was, it was about what? Written, tooth, uh, tooth vaginas? Vaginas with teeth? Th- th- this happens? This, this is just a mock. Uh, this can't happen. Oh, I was talking about the myth of, of tooth vaginas okay. from, from the point of view of, of being like this being a powerful cultural stereotype, which is just kind of like, really? Because I, I thought that was more of a joke. And so uh, as, you're, as you're reacting, I mean, that was kind of how the students reacted to this. They, they, they found this... This uh, you know radical um, uh, flyer kind of a joke, so they made fun of it by uh, making something called the Daily Bag, um, which included, which was all about macho themes, including okay. uh, sexual positions and tough. Uh, there was one article called Tough Guy Wisdom, and the other one was a joke about a sniper rifle. Um, uh, there was also another section about uh, a chainsaw etiquette and chainsaw editing. This, uh, uh, cha- chainsaw etiquette. Okay. Kind of a macho theme, gotcha. um, but yeah, I, I mean, undeniably, anybody who looks at it, this is a joke. And actually, in some cases, it was actually kind of funny. Um, they were found guilty of violence at Colorado College, um, and Colorado College has not backed down from this finding to this day um, because they said, and it was one of the strangest lines I think I've ever read, was the juxtaposition of weaponry and sexuality was uh, what, what crossed the line at Colorado College University. Uh, and it was just, uh, uh, and, and so these kind of things have been happening um, on a fairly regular basis since Virginia Tech. Um, so we made a video about it called Empty Holsters, um, which you can find at thefire.org, um, which talks about two cases um, in which students were, uh, were, were punished or prevented from 
uh, engaging in uh, pro-gun speech. In one case, actually, one of them just wanted to wear a T-shirt that had top ten um, gun tips uh-huh. on the back that were actually kind of funny. It, uh, probably my favorite one uh, said, um, uh, no matter how much you're, how excited you are to uh, to buy your new gun, don't run around sh- shouting, I have a gun, I have a gun. <laughs> now, that's, a ba- that is, that's good advice. Yeah, obviously a joke. And, it, and it's, it was a very self-deprecating T-shirt, but that was going too far for Tarrant County College, uh, believe it or not, in... Um, uh, uh, in, in Texas, I, I I I can't believe it. It's it's. I mean, I just I I don't know. I, I I can see how these people get so upset. I mean, you know, they're it's their it's their sort of cultural bias uh, being. I mm-hmm. let's call them liberals, um, for for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, I mean, they're just scared to death of guns, and I I can kind of see their 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 point, but it just you know, it it doesn't work. <laughs> It's a system that yeah, doesn't and, work. and that's one of the reasons why we're, we're doing the film series, is because what we're trying to do is because after a while, you hear pretty much every argument dismissing what's going on on college campuses as not being important. And so when you deal with a case like we had a couple of months ago where a student literally got nearly uh, expelled from a college in Mississippi for swearing, um, that you start having people write back saying, oh, well, you know, so what, he got in trouble for swearing, um, you know, why, do, why does def- defending free speech on campus matter? So part of the response is to make the point that if you take the quote-unquote wrong position on any issue, um, uh, uh, any hot-button issue in the U.S. right now, I can give you some examples of students getting in trouble for, for, for having that position on campus. And when you actually know that there's any chance whatsoever that you can actually be punished for taking the, the quote, wrong position on abortion, immigration, uh, ter- terrorism, um, uh, or gun rights uh, in this example, um, it it actually dissuades what colleges should be encouraging, which is debate, like real debate, of meaningful topics. And I, and I think that because this isn't happening on our college campuses, that's one of the reasons why we see such a kind of, frankly, pathetic national discourse over these issues, because the people who should best know how to debate them don't even consider them debatable. Wow. It's, it's frightening stuff. Now, there was recently a uh, a Supreme Court case that uh, you guys have uh, you know been sort of keeping an eye on that uh, is pretty disturbing too, right? Absolutely, CLSV Martinez. Now, this is a case that, uh, that you know I think initially some people don't quite get what's at stake, and I should explain. I'm not I'm not a religious person, um, and so I've no you know I've no dog in the fight in the sense that of, of protecting the rights of evangelical Christian students, for example. But I can say if you don't protect uh, the rights of other groups, then it's when within when your group is attacked, then you're in trouble. You know, it's the old Reverend Martin Niemöller, uh, uh, you know, situation. Absolutely. And, and even if you don't have a group, you know, basically like, um, you know, would, you, you, don't, we, you know, I defend the rights of religious students um, because to violate those rights is wrong. <laughs> Well, everybody's got a group, and this is something that I, you know, I, I try to make clear to them. Whether it's the group of people that eat candy bars, the group of people that yep. eat cheeseburgers, the group of people that, uh, you know, skydive or, uh, or or scuba dive or whatever it is that they do, they do something that someone has some advice on how it is that they could do it better or different or yep. or whatever, and and uh, you know would like to regulate how it is that they go about doing their stuff, and likely that person is about as smart as the Florida legislature. 
legislator, legislature uh, um, several years back that uh, decided that it'd be a good idea to put uh, seatbelts on motorcycles. You know, from her standpoint, seatbelts save lives. Motorcycles are dangerous. Motorcycles don't have seatbelts. Let's save some lives by putting seatbelts on motorcycles. So you have... Idiots making rules for people um, that they, you know, that they just have no business making rules for. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. Uh, so, so uh, CLS Christian Legal Society out in San Francisco um, at, at Hastings um, at Hastings Law School um, was denied recognition uh, because it had a statement of faith um, that it wanted members to sign on to, and this included believing that sex outside of heterosexual marriage was sinful. Now the um, the university said that they couldn't recognize them back in, I think, 2005, um, and that means you're not allowed to officially exist on campus um, unless uh, and still have this statement of faith that people signed because, in their opinion, it discriminated on the basis of sexual orientation, one, but two, on the basis of religion. Now, I've seen this argument actually at this point dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Religious groups, and, and, and they almost only ever, with two exceptions, have applied this to uh, Christian evangelical groups, um, that, uh, uh, that they, they're not allowed to, quote-unquote, discriminate on the basis of religion. In other words, you have to let atheists join your group. You have to let people who, who hate you join your group. You have to let Muslims join your group. You have to let other kind of Christians who aren't evangelical Christians join your group. Um, and this, you know, on its face is pretty much an absurd argument. And it does seem like had it. always... Yeah, and the Supreme Court had always understood this before. Um, and, the, and the distinction that we always draw is that there's a, there's a distinction between status and belief, that um, discriminating against someone to join your group because of the color of their skin is considered to be you know, fundamentally irrational because the color of someone's skin never indicates what they believe. But freedom of expression means discriminating on the basis of belief. I mean, if you're having an expressive organization, that means you're trying to gather together People who share your beliefs and exclude people who don't. Yeah, people who so, people who think the same way. Yeah, exactly, and that's what freedom expressive association means. That's freedom of association. Um, so, and I've seen dozens and dozens of examples of this case, and so the, um, this ends up getting appealed to uh, the Ninth Circuit affirms the um, uh, Hastings action. That wasn't a surprise there, but then I went to the Supreme Court, where I was, you know, pretty much dead certain um, that a. Uh, that the court would uphold, would in line with its previous cases, rule that, you know, a Christian group has a right to be Christian. So, but what ended up happening was something that I didn't really see coming, was that the university, uh, sorry, the, the Supreme Court actually sort of bought the, this cheap argument that Hastings made kind of at the last minute. Um, after they got sued um, during the litigation, the, um, the uh, Hastings started to claim that, oh, no, 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 this is actually part of a, Part of a policy um, that we that we have the non-discrimination policy means that you can't discriminate. No group can discriminate on the basis of belief. Um, and then they change the argument again to say that's like well they, you, you can kind of discriminate on the basis of belief um, in in, uh, um, in some circumstances but not others. And then kind of settling again on the idea that they had that the university had always had what they called a quote unquote all commerce policy. That means that no that these expressive associations at campus cannot exclude people who do not believe in the reason for the existence of the group. Now, this is a see-through joke of an argument, and it was made particularly clear that this was just a pretext used against CLS because during uh, the, the later stages of the litigation, 
um, administrators, and this is documented, start going to the, to the other group saying, hey, could you put in your uh, college Democrats, can you put in your charter that you don't discriminate on the basis of belief? Um, and so the, it's very clear that they did this just as a way of justifying post hoc what they had done to CLS. Amazingly, the Supreme Court said, well, you know, if you want to have it, and it was a, it was a, you know, a very divided court, um, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote the majority opinion. Um, the, the dissent with uh, Alito, Thomas, uh, Roberts, and Scalia was very, uh, was very sharply worded, pointing out that um, this policy doesn't make any sense, and it's clearly a pretext against CLS. But the, the majority opinion said, hey, you know, if they want to have a policy that doesn't let groups, quote-unquote, discriminate on the basis of belief, that's their, that's their business. You know, I'm kind of on the tines of this one, uh, Greg, because I do think that, um, you know, if I were to open a uh, university of higher learning, that's the only kind of university as I know of, um, that I should be able to tell uh, student organizations uh, whether or not we're going to recognize them based on, you know, whatever kind of silly criteria they come up with. However, Uh for me, the rubber hits the road at the issue that they take taxpayer money. And uh-huh. I don't think they should be able to get any taxpayer money. Money if they if they offer a good service, they should uh, be able to charge for it, and people should buy it. But um, yep. they do, and since they do, it seems to me that everybody uh, has to kick in for this, uh, um, you know, stuff. So nobody, so they shouldn't be able to make rules that uh, mess with anybody. Do you understand? So it's this really weird, surreal circumstance where you have. An organization that I think should be able to run itself the way it wants to run it. However, that organization takes money that's stolen from all of us at the threat of uh, of, of imprisonment. So they should have to do whatever uh, you know. Basically, anybody who's uh, you know forced to give up their money would think. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the fact that this is a public institution, right, um, right. definitely has ramifications for it. But that also means that the First Amendment applies, um, which means that you have to recognize freedom of association. And this goes back to the 1970s, basically saying that, you know, if you allow there to be student groups at all, you have to allow um, expressive groups to be on campus. And this had been, you know, by reading the different cases from, from the 1970s, pretty clear. Wow. So what, what the, the, the court has actually um, said, essentially, is that the university wants to pass a rule that requires intellectual, I guess what you would call intellectual diversity within groups as opposed to among groups, that's, that's totally fine. Now, what's that, that, what is that going to do? I think the, um, the practical effect of a rule like this is that we're going to start seeing nasty recognitions of evangelical Christian groups across the country. I, I can all but guarantee it. Um, mass derecognition? That have been ma- mass derecognitions. Okay. Um, because th- that's the, been the group that's been targeted for, for, for the last decade. Right. Which is, which is ironic in some ways because, you know, Mormon groups, Muslim groups all have similar, uh, similar opinions about things like sexual morality, um, but for some reason universities seem to kind of get that you know it would be intolerant and not in keeping with multiculturalism to you know tell a Muslim or a Jewish group what what they may or may not believe. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, it's a complete blind spot when it comes to the evangelicals. Familiarity breeds contempt, and we were uh, most of us in in this nation were raised Christian or around Christian. Yep. So um, the the evangelicals are considered the the nuttiest among the Christian group, and I'll agree that the the, the book that these people believe uh, in is a uh, is a pretty nutty one. Um, you know, the idea that uh, you know Noah floated around on the planet in a giant boat for a year um, seems pretty silly to me. But, hey, you know, 
whatever. If you're going to believe, if it, if you're going to start, uh, if you're going to recognize some groups that believe in silly books, you should recognize all groups that believe in silly books. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's kind of like if you want to have your college atheists, you should be allowed to exclude evangelicals. If, you know, this, this principle applies to whatever group um, that you, that you have. It, is that if you want to organize around beliefs, it just doesn't mean that much if you can't actually exclude people who don't share them. The other thing that it opens up these organizations to is essentially the inability to exist on campus. Because if you really do have a you know an atmosphere that's that hostile um, to groups with dissenting beliefs, whether they be college libertarians, college conservatives, or in this case evangelicals, you're going to start having you know when when you when they're not allowed to exclude people, you're going to ha- start having people who are hostile to their mission show up to meetings and yeah. and now be able to say with a straight face, the Supreme Court says that it's perfectly fine for me to me to be able to show up and vote however I want, even be a leader of this group if I want to be. You know, it's it's nutty is all I've got to say. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Greg, we're uh, we're about out of time here. What um what? How can people find out more about Fire? Um, if they're a student, how can they? And they're having some kind of problem on campus, and really, it's only a matter of time. Um. What uh, yeah. what can, what can they do to get a hold of you? Things like that. Well, go to thefire.org. Um. And check out our materials there. We have a campus freedom network for students. Um. And we're having our big conference uh, uh, next next week. Uh, But if they want to reach me, I'm Greg at thefire.org. Now, um, and uh, for people to see this uh, this video, the, the open holsters video that you guys have just produced, which I watched today, and it's uh, pretty darn good. Um, how would Thanks. they quickly go see that? Uh, also, thefire.org. It's right at the top of the page. Um, there's a you, you can watch it in one of the windows at the top, or there's another thing that will take you to the empty holsters uh, uh, the splash page, um, which also tells you about all of the cases we've had to fight about gun rights in the past couple of years. Very good, Greg. I uh, thanks very much. Uh, Thanks for having me. (laughs) Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.